And who are you? I am Kwaku, and who who is the sharp dressed man with the nice new haircut? Who is this person? Uh, I'm just wearing a t-shirt, but uh, <laughs> uh, I'm Atul, and this is Radio Zamunda the dope shit. Believe yes, it, sir. Yes. All right. Yeah. Good to see you, um, man. It's great to see you. Uh, yeah. I'm very uh, I'm very excited about what's what's going to happen. I'm I'm mm. gonna I'm gonna break from format. Not that we Ooh. really have a format, but I'm gonna right. break from format. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna give you a preemptive hint. Okay. Well, I mean, not that I need one because uh, because you cheat the king, but <laughs> still the king. But all right, go for it, man. Here's your preemptive hint. Hint. Yep. Um, we have a duo joining us today. Nice. Okay. Not a solitary person. Okay. All right. That's going to be interesting. Do with that what you will. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> That's your head. Duos are always great. Yeah. Great. Uh, I think maybe a superhero team. That's what I'm going with. Oh, see, that that might be your first guess. All right. And before we, before we even dig into this, mm-hmm. um, and I know we, do, we, we do this in our own weird order, so this won't be sequenced out with the previous episode. Right. I don't know about you, but I keep getting feedback about Danny Dunson. Oh yeah, that guy's a that dude is a king. You Danny know? Dunson is uh Look out world and we got him first. We so, got him first. Yeah, Th- we discovered him. This is a true story. I'm going to pick up my youngest yesterday. I'm in like mm-hmm. the little driveway for the yep. um, for the the daycare and yep. uh, I see one of my friends, nice guy, he's, he's got a birthday coming up, John. Yep. Utah. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. you know, he's putting his daughter in his truck or whatever. Johnny then, Utah? That's a yeah, great jo- name. Well, I mean, that's his nickname. Then we call him we call him Utah. Yeah. Got it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm ta- and so he's like, hey, I haven't seen him in a while. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, we'll see you on Friday for your birthday. And he's like, he's like, oh, before I go, he's like, that Danny Dunson, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, it's just an amazing story. And then yeah. he's, he's running, you know, because we were chatting for a bit and he had to get to his kid. And he's right. like, he's like, he was really the dope shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That dude is that dude is the truth. Yeah. Danny and, and he's uh he's he just keeps doing stuff. Stuff just starts popping up on his Instagram. Follow Legacy Brothers. I was just about uh, to say that. Yeah, on uh Instagram, Legacy Bros on Instagram. And you'll get the hot tip on all the great um diasporatic art. He just got back from Ghana, yep. so he's been doing that. He's got a whole bunch of stuff cooking. You'll get a little bit of a, a dip into his uh, his interior, just of his apartment. It looks like uh, you know a studio. Of gorgeous. A, yeah, it's just like ridiculous. And then gorgeous. He's got the style and he's got the brains to sort of you know to back it up, back it up, and to to develop these artists. So um, I'm I'm. I'm glad he's touched us, man. I'm just like, seriously, got that Danny Dunson, just like glow. glow. Yeah. The glow and the aura boy. So shout out to Danny D boy. I mean, See, that's you know, what it is. I'm looking yep. at you with the haircut that you have going on. You have mm-hmm. Danny Dunson glow yeah, going like on residue. Yeah. You yeah, know yeah. What I mean? It's not me. It's just the residue. It's like, uh, he should have his own fragrance. He should. Yeah. He probably does actually. 
I mean, he probably smells good. Let's just yeah, say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that that goes without saying. Danny Dunson. Danny yes, Dunson. Sir. The other mm-hmm. thing, your other mm-hmm. boy, the Jam. Mm-hmm. What well, I'm, I'm spacing on his name. Oh, too. Daniel J. Watts. That's another dude that's smashing it. Yeah. Wasn't he just on the Today Show? Yeah, the Today Show. Um, he's been uh, he's been blowing up. I mean, that guy is due for. I mean, he's already nominated for a a, a Tony, but he's gonna get one i mean the jam has been doing great amazing killer review in the uh, new york times which is you know the the one that you want to get when you are doing broadway stuff uh the the kid is a genius he's uh that's another one who's just and and just low-key smashing it and so nice and so and you know what he is uh he is definitely an egot contestant yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got, he's got all. Yeah, he's got the potential for an egot, definitely. Yeah. yeah. For those of you who don't know, Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. Yeah, yeah. He'll, he'll, he'll get that soon. He's, he's still young. <laughs> he'll, he'll get that in the next couple of years, something like yeah. that. Yeah. He's a, he's a good dude. Yeah. Killing the game, that dude. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, sir. So yeah, I just want to see. You know, we just people. You know, I don't think that we're the common factor. I just think we're lucky enough to know people who are doing these amazing things. Absolutely, absolutely. Know? And one more, I got one more yeah. for you. I don't know mm-hmm. if you saw this, but mm-hmm. um, our, our friend Ryan, Ryan Star from Station. Yeah, Ryan Star. Yes, featured in the Wall Street Journal. Oh, I didn't see that. Yes, because like there's you know because of everything that's happening with um, Clubhouse, like mm-hmm. these shows where people talk to each other or these yeah. apps are mm-hmm. really hot. And so like, and his thing is it came out years before Clubhouse. Right. And for those of you who don't know, you should check out Station Head. It's this amazing, mm-hmm. this right. amazing tool mm-hmm. that our buddy Ryan has created. And you, it allows you essentially to run your own radio station. You can run, mm-hmm. you can run your own radio show. You play the songs off of Spotify. You can have people join and have conversations. Mm-hmm. And he's killing the game. And Wall Street Journal and I think CNBC, all these, all these news yeah. items are talking about him. I thought yeah. that was he. I thought that was here for a minute. I was like, oh no, it's Brooklyn. Nope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, his his shit is dope. I haven't listened to After the Elephant in uh, a couple of months, and you just reminded me I need to get like his album, um, the vinyl record that I yeah. got. Right, that's yep. called After the Elephant, right? Like, I believe so. Yeah, because one yeah, is yeah. like the elephant's eye, and then the, yeah, the one okay. that I think he gave you is After the Elephant. Yeah, that's uh, that. Yeah, that's a heartbreakingly awesome record that dude pours his soul into Beautiful. what he's doing yeah it's yeah. fucking awesome so yeah yeah i mean like a lot of lot of um a lot of our guests are coming out of the woodwork with their um their awesomeness uh kj's got a new collab yes uh, i'm not even i don't know if i'm supposed to even say this because i know it's with another guest i don't yeah. know if he's talking because i that's why yeah. i was talking to him the other day i was like yo mm-hmm. man can i get on this because i, I yeah. saw the instagram photo yeah yeah. Yeah. So I well, let me let me let me hold that okay closer to the vest and, until uh, I know I'm supposed to say it. But yeah, two two Radio Zamunda um, guests might be collabing on a thing and three if you include. Well, juice. actually three. Yeah, yeah. If you include Juice, which we gotta I gotta get him on here soon. So you know, well, like again. <laughs> right. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Again. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, we should probably, uh, we don't normally do a recap like this, but it's just yeah, like yeah. all these things have been popping up and I haven't had a chance Absolutely. to talk to you about it. Yeah, man. You know? Yeah. Um, all right. So why don't we dig in? All right. Peace. I'm on a pavement thinking about the government. The man in a trench coat batch out laid off says he's got a bad call wants to get it paid off. That's it. That's exactly. it. Yes. Um, all right. We're going to kick this off. You, and I'd love to be able to say this phrase, you in the denim kimono. Who are you? 
I'm Ato, and who are you? I'm Kwaku, and this is Radio Zamunda V. Dope. Shit. All right. Every time. Okay. okay. That, was, that was cool to see that live, guys. That was <laughs> um, so yeah. today, I've uh, invited mm-hmm. the dope shit to, to our conversation, to our, to our talk Two dope here. shits. Well, yes, it's, it's, it's a duo. Of, a two of for a two for a dope. <laughs> a, um, <laughs> dope squared. Okay, I'll stop. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I know you're riffing on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I am so excited to have you meet these two people. Mm-hmm. But I can't tell mm-hmm. you why I'm excited because okay. I have to go extra incognito with you because okay. I can't have you do your little your little voodoo thing that you do when okay. you cheat. Okay. Um, uh huh. So. No hand, is, look, my hands are right here. I, okay. All right. I don't know what's going on with your screens. Yeah. Um, I want to introduce you to Jeremy and mm-hmm. Perry. I'm going to tell you where they're from. I'm just introducing you to Jeremy and Perry. Hi, Jeremy and Perry. How are you guys doing? Yeah, no. I'm good. All How right. you doing? All right. I can't complain. Fellas can't complain. So I know, Jeremy, that's a, did you dress up for this event? Because that's a really nice You shirt. know, I just, I want it. I want to put my best foot forward. I know. I'm just like, this is a podcast, but that's a really nice shirt. <laughs> no, both of you guys look really good. Perry always looks sharp. That's, that's yeah, just, yeah, you know, yeah. not that you don't, like Jeremy, it. but I was just uh, like, that's nice. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, so let us, I, I just want to dig into this. And so for yep. us to dig into this, we need to play the game. Maybe okay. we should like create a sound effect at some point. I don't know. But we need yeah. to play the game. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and actually, let me back up before we do this. I'm so excited. Sure. I'm like skipping steps. Got it. The point of this podcast, um, mm-hmm. for Jeremy, because I'm not sure if Jeremy's ever listened, um, mm-hmm. Otto and I have been friends for a, a, a long period of time. We we met. Um, I was an extra on one of his shows, and we hit it off, and it turned out that our families knew each other back mm-hmm. in Ghana. It was very random. Mm-hmm. And so, and it also turned out that we lived uh, like two, was it two blocks away from each other? It was something, something like that. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Pretty, w- w- you know, within spitting distance, as, yeah. it, as it were. Yes. Yeah. And so we would hang out all the time and then like, you know, listen to records and stuff. And then one of my friends was like, hey, you guys should start a podcast. She like one day we went over his house and she's like, oh, this is interesting. You guys should start a podcast. And so we started doing that. We started talking about music and then and then we talked about it more like actually instead of music and podcasts and and, uh, movies and stuff, let's introduce each other to dope people, amazing people that are doing creative Mm. things. Mm. And so that mm. is the, the the point of the podcast. And so we take turns introducing each other to people who are creative, that mm. are doing amazing things that we want to share with the other person. Um, and we sort of couch this as, as either being in a salon or a bar and you invite your friend over or your friends in this scenario, mm. uh, you invite your friends over and, and they're meeting your good friend for the first time. And, it's, and they're getting to know them by having that initial interaction. I like mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And so to kick things off, we realized it's fun to play this game where the person who hasn't invited anybody and there's no prep, like he mm-hmm. literally knows nothing, mm-hmm. has to guess what it is you do. Yes. And he gets three guesses. Mm-hmm. I used to want to just bring people on to get Otto excited. Now I try to bring people on to get Otto excited, but also people <laughs> that will stump him. That is my goal. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. And I think today we might be there. I think you're stalling, though. I'm, I'm not. How really, am I stalling? I'm, if you're the one who's the guest, this is I'm a just, big run up, bro. I'm just this providing context. I, I want to provide context. I, 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 I think it's pressure, Otto. I think I've, I've listened <laughs> to these, and I think it's nice yeah. to do this. 
What right? are you worried you're going to guess? You know, yeah. I'm not stalling. I'm getting yeah. in his head. It's like when you call the timeout at the free throws, like I got to shoot the free throws. They call a timeout, you know, like ice me a little bit. I I, I get what you're doing. Okay. Okay. Listen. All right. Uh, The the clock is running. It's your turn. Okay. All right. Cool. So I get three (laughs) guesses, right? I'm seeing two gentlemen Mm -hmm. and I'm looking at the backgrounds, right? Um, Well-dressed, nice and sharp. One background is like, I see like a phonograph or something in the background and what looks like maybe like, like... Amps or something like that, and a lot of books, and it's like a nice enclosed space, like an office. And then I see another place that looks like a garage that's been converted into an office with a cool table tennis uh, table in the background, right? Mm-hmm. And so it gives, first of all, it gives me like a, a, a like a techie feel. It gives me like um, oh like uh, <laughs> like you guys run a a, a tech company together. So you guys can just say yes or no. Okay. No. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay. Okay. Not tech, not a tech company. You can add more context because I I get that. You can add more context if you want to, but. Mm -hmm. um, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, tech is a little bit general. Okay. Um, But there's a sharpness here that I'm missing. Okay. I'm going to say just because of the giveaway of the the music or like the music-y stuff that I see in the background. Okay, I'm going with like, you guys run a music produce, you, you guys are music producers. No. Oh, no. Damn it. Yeah, that would be Jer- right. Jeremy, would be, that be your dream career if it wasn't the career you had? I'd love, I would, Ooh, we could do a whole podcast on vinyl and, you know, the history of, I'm a history rock and roll guy, but we, but that's for another time. Yeah. I've got, yeah. I've got a book Damn here it. underneath we, my computer. Literally the first book on my computer is Christopher Rick's Dylan's visions of sin, which ooh, is a very, yeah. it's written by, you know, Rick's is like the leading uh, scholar on Alfred Lord Tennyson. And he, he examines Dylan's lyrics oh. through the lens of poetry analysis. It's great. Wow. Okay. These guys are musicians, Jeremy. Otto, you played musicians too. I, I I played musicians, and I am a junior musician. Quack was the real musician between us, but uh, Every, yes, you're a real I, musician. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Oh man, okay, I'm on my last guess, and I'm uh, this is like, wow, this is Quaku's actually stumped me because I'm I'm there's two different sets of things happening oh, yeah. here. Oh yeah, and that's the thing that's like that's giving me the cognitive dissonance. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. Um, okay, one more guess. One more guess. I'm going to say that you guys are like, uh, oh, like, uh, like motivational speakers. Oh, that is, that's yeah. see that's what I'm saying? Weird, right? Really? It's eerie. No, no, you didn't get it right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but, but it's getting, it's getting the ballpark. Yeah. Is, isn't that like, creepy? It's weird. Yeah, it's creepy. Isn't that, cre- it's very, he has oh. to be cheating. He wow. has to be cheating. It is Wait, so yeah. creepy. So what is it, gentlemen? We we we're teachers. We teach at Stanford. We Damn teach it. in the design school there. I thought it I, it was that's how we met Kwaku. Oh, okay. I was gonna say education, but not not to like yeah, yeah. give myself a consolation prize. But that was too easy because I was like Kwaku education. Okay, but like 
you guys are like the coolest teachers I've ever seen. Though, like, <laughs> come on, guys! Like, you're, you're like way too like like suave and shit for uh, to yeah, be we'll, teachers. Like, what's we'll going on? We'll, we'll go on mute and keep talking, and then be like, "Oh, you guys are totally teachers." Yeah, we- <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, okay. I, I think okay. I think you guys should be even more specific about mm-hmm. your roles, what you what you teach, and what it is that you do. Ooh, because this is my love. Oh, this yeah. stuff, man. We do a couple different things. Jeremy, I'll, I'll start off. One, one thing we do is kind of interesting that some of the stuff in the background mm-hmm. uh, to us, all these things are, I'm, I'm a fiend for like inventions and like, yeah. it's an old phonograph, Edison phonograph yeah. that on occasion works. Um, you know, stuff like that. So all this, this stuff. And we yeah. run the an accelerator at Stanford. There's a lot of different versions. Ours is called Launchpad. It's okay. in the engineering school and we help yeah. students start businesses. And that's wow. been going for about 10 years. And we use all yeah. kinds of, it's what's different about the class is we use a, launch to learn technique meaning no business plans allowed no powerpoint allowed all that stuff you know for not we we really focus on on relentless experimentation yeah how do you launch and learn from it that, that's one aspect of what we do yeah yeah oh wow the other aspect is we run executive education at the design school so we lead professional development programs and that's that gets a little bit i mean i guess both worlds do but they get a little bit into motivational speaking that ultimately you mm-hmm. got to inspire folks to take actions that many times are, right. if not, if not only in addition to all the other things they have to do, then mm-hmm. also totally counter to what they've always been taught how to behave in a professional context. Right. Oh, this sounds delicious man you know um it, it's reminding me because and i know we'll get to the regular stuff here but um we've had a couple of guests on one is my one my best friend um who is running uh noble right now uh the apparel and sneaker company and we um his journey to his entrepreneurial sort of mountaintop has been kind of just like what I feel like you guys are talking about because it, he did go to B school and all that stuff, but it's a, a little non-traditional because he has so much experience from different fields and like all of that converged into this sort of creative jump where he and his, um, his business partner combi- co- took their interests and went on a little journey before they found that they were going to make an apparel company. And the way that his holistic way of talking about running this company and expanding this company is something that I find really incredible because it sounds like it gets away from the standard of, okay, here's a business plan and this is what you do. And the blah, 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 blah. it was like more like of an organic sort of like flow of ideas that sort of got them to where they are. So like this, all right, let's, let's get, let's dig well, in. Well, you man. used a couple of key words that are like trigger words yeah. for us, but flow yeah. of ideas is mm. my middle name. So if we want to yeah. go in there at some point, we don't have to, but we could definitely go in there. We, <laughs> we, Marcus and I literally had this conversation a few hours ago because we were talking about the different kinds of flow, like flows in sports, flows in business, flows in acting, like when you sort of lose yourself into something and you're not sort of thinking about it anymore. You're just like reacting to the you're solving the problems. You're reacting to the problem in, presented to you. And it's you know, it comes with a lot of practice and a lot of you know technical development. But once you get there, it's like you sort of just Steph Curry, he's just 
shooting threes. And you know what I mean? He's like, I just need to get the ball into the hoop and this is how I'm going to do it. You know what I mean? So, oh yeah, this is going to be great. Okay, cool. (laughs) I just want to point out the creepiness of what you did because first Mm -hmm. you said that they were tech guys and they're both based in the Bay area. And I'm like, how are you doing that? (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, literally the first thing I was going to say is educate. When I said app, I thought it was like, like tech education app like uh like um thinking of like laura mcbain or um your man uh what's his face um the the dude who makes the like the little games um what's your man's name dan Ryder. Ryder, yes dan Ryder. you know that that um group of people um, well, that's how I know these guys. I know these guys. Oh, okay, who that's who you brought. Yeah. So like yeah. those those people are like, I'm like, every time you guys speak, I'm like, this is so cool. You guys should be running education for the com- country and the world. But we'll, we'll get to that <laughs> later. <too. Yeah. laughs> oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. It's I, 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 all jokes aside, I'm in awe of how you do that. I think maybe I have to have people have backgrounds from now on. Like you yeah. <laughs> backgrounds because that is Just really voices. weird. It's really wow. weird. Um, wow. All right, so and this is this is interesting because we're because you guys are individuals, even though you work together. I feel like you guys have um, divergent paths that brought you to what you're doing now. Mm. And usually we do this piece, and this is this is the part where um, Otto gets to sort of know you a little bit mm. better, um, mm. where we usually ask the guest or the person, the people, to talk about their origin story. Mm. Um, and so I feel it would be interesting, and there's some of this that I don't know. It'd be interesting to hear what each of you have to say about how you sort of landed in this place. And then it'd be interesting to hear how that sort of comes together with the creative piece that I know that you guys are are currently working on. Sure. So who would like to go first? Jeremy, go ahead. <laughs> uh, just so you know, Jeremy's other trigger words are ribeye or milkshake. <laughs> you want to like you distract him for a minute? And Jeremy, we can talk vinyl. Otto, Otto doesn't oh, like yeah. vinyl very much, but I do. Yeah, this is like the Venn diagram is at the intersection of vinyl, milkshakes, and ribeye. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> now we know. So origin story. That's a good question. I, I mean, there's like a short version and a long version and I'll, I'll go with the short version. Um, we can, we can dig in, but the short version is, um, I, uh, I grew up being taught that I had to be excellent in everything mm-hmm. that I did had to be excellent. Mm-hmm. And that's a really great, um, mm-hmm. value. You know, so when I was working at Chick-fil-A, I was employee of the year. When I was working for mm-hmm. Red Bull, I won the national competition for student marketing campaigns. You know, when I was, mm-hmm. uh, I got the best job I could possibly get, graduated top of my class um, uh, out of school, et cetera. But I would say, ironically, the thread that most of those things had in common was I hated them. And oh. excellence and distaste often ran together, not because they do objectively, but because they did in my experience. And what I saw was, hey, working really hard isn't that enjoyable, but it's got to be done. And you got to put up, that's why they call it work, right? It's not play. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had a very particular view on work. And I've got a guy uh, blowing leaves outside right now. I don't know if you can hear that. No, no. I'm just, I'm mind, I'm just mindful of audio. Right. So okay. good. You're good. I'm, I'm in good. Brooklyn. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you've got, who knows what kind of guy you got outside. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> and so for me, there was just there was um, there was this tension that I experienced between enjoying what I did and uh, which I thought was something that would have to wait till after work and work, which was something that I did in order to get to be able to do something that I enjoyed. And it's a privileged position, definitely, to be able to do something one enjoys. And I think it's also, I, I think it's wrong to say you have to do what you love. I think you got to do what you got to do to support your family. And there, there's lots of things there. So I'm not, I don't mean to make universal statements at all. Um, but for me, it was illuminating. I came to business school at Stanford in 2007. And I, uh, I was working at a startup in India. Uh, in Delhi, outside of Delhi. And there was, a, there was a guy who was a designer and he had a really interesting job. He would disappear for days at a time. I'm in there, you know, monkeying around on a spreadsheet, you know, that sort of thing. And he's going to the slums and he's like living there for days on end. And wow. I, I was so intrigued by his world and I knew nothing about it. And through a series of conversations, he said to me, you should check out the D school. And I didn't know much about the D school, which was kind of in its early stages at Stanford at that time. And so when we got back home from Delhi, I checked out the D school. And in my mind, I was kind of picturing a circus because, you know, and kind of frivolous, you know, it's like he talked about what the, you know, design and creativity. And I kind of pictured, remember, my mental model is work is no fun. Um, you know, anything that's fun is frivolous. Mm -hmm. If you smile while you're doing it, you probably aren't, you probably shouldn't be doing it kind of a thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. And when I came, I was, I was really, my eyes were open to uh, what I thought was going to be frivolous turned out to be really rigorous and really difficult, mm -hmm. but also enjoyable and deeply enriching mm -hmm. and invigorating. And for me, that was a, that was an enormous paradigm shift because it wasn't something that I knew could happen really. And, um, right. and so through a series of kind of unexpected events, I ended up being able to stick around Stanford and then, um, and then I had the great fortune of my path crossing with Perry's path. Uh, and we've gone on to build lots of interesting programs and classes and follow our, you know, individual and collective passions and interests along the way. We can talk about that path, but for me, the origin story kind of starts from the paradigm shift from thinking that work was the opposite of enjoyment and enrichment and fulfillment mm -hmm. to discovering mm -hmm. that there, there's a way that it can actually be both. And that's not a bad thing. It's right. a wonderful thing. And um, yeah, right. so, so it's, been, it's been a true uh, transformation for me. And, and, to put in, and uh, before we get to Perry, um, what that struck in a chord in me is, you know, uh, Kwaku and I, I think, share the the immigrant experience. I'm not sure if you guys have parents that are uh, not from America or whatever. Um, there's that notion of you, you come to America and you work and you can do anything. And there's that, that success profile. And I love how you said excellence is part of it. Um, but the excellence um, is sort of at at the opposite end of what you just said, enjoyment, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, there's that notion of just working hard and drudgery and doing whatever you can to make the money. And then later is when you can have fun. And so for me, it was like, well, go to school and get a chemical engineering degree because that's the smart, practical thing. And yeah, you like acting, you like uh, art and all that stuff. 
you can do that on the side. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, it's that notion. It's that it's part of like our, it's, it's, um, it's embedded into our culture. It's embedded into, I think all of our cultures. And I think that we, I, I am hesitant to say this because I'm not an expert like you guys, but it feels like we're at a turning point in the sort of cultural zeitgeist in that we've, we've moved from, let's say the, um, the uh, early century where it was like you just go to the factory and work and make money and then make the money so your kids can be happy. Now it's like now we've got we're figuring out ways to educate. We're figuring out ways to even at work make people enjoy what they do, because why would you want a bunch of employees who don't enjoy what they're doing? Like, why not have people who are having fun coming to work and being productive, but also having fun and feeling fulfilled? And I think we're, as humanity, we're like turning that curve and finally going like, oh, ding, we have the resources to be actually fulfilled at work at the same time. And I think that's a big shift. I mean, there's a, there's kind of an existential question too about work and meaning and fulfillment. And I don't know if you've read Player Piano. It's a book that we've assigned in a class that we've taught in years past, Mm -hmm. Kurt Vonnegut. But the the basic Mm -hmm. premise of that book is that it's, you know, a dystopian future where a select few people are responsible for for a lot of things. It's almost like up, you know, the world and up where people lose their bones Mm -hmm. because they don't have to do anything. Like literally our physiology changes. Um, but in player yeah. piano, what's interesting is the the future that Vonnegut envisioned is one. It's deeply dissatisfying to not have meaningful work to do, and and mm-hmm. people have like their standard of living is higher, but they're miserable, mm-hmm. and and yeah. they don't have to work. But without work, actually, it's like what's the point, right? And and so right. I agree with you that we're at an interesting turning point, and. For some people, it's going to result in more fulfillment and more invigoration. But I think the dangerous thing in this, mm-hmm. and we're seeing it with, with automation, we're seeing it, you know, the, the impending change that's coming in, in, in industries like trucking, for example. There, is, there are mm-hmm. whole swaths of the population for whom enjoyment, if it was a mirage before, it's like a dream now. It's like it's, you know, and yeah. so it's hard to talk about it in some sense because it is a privileged position. And we do have an opportunity Mm -hmm. to reinvent, but the reality is, I think, you know, that was part of Andrew Yang's platform, right? Is, you know, re uh, upskilling parts of the working Mm -hmm. population for which uh, an automated future, you know, has very little need. And how do you think about doing that? It's, it's a challenge. And certainly there's, uh, there's unprecedented kind of opportunity for some, but there's unprecedented kind of, um, I don't know what the, what the right word, disillusionment in a way for others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that you brought up UBI and even, and even when Atu was making his point, I was thinking about the whole concept of the, the ability that we all have to reinvent ourselves. Mm-hmm. I feel like at least uh, Jeremy Perry and I have, Atu, not that you haven't, um, but within like the construct of a traditional workplace sure. have, yeah. have had the opportunity to reinvent what we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what and what our roles are and that mm-hmm. feels like something that's going to become more common mm-hmm. um but before we go too deep into that yeah perry would you, oh, yeah. Would you like to share <laughs> pass the mic to perry it's like x-men yep. origin. <laughs> <laughs> like that wolverine movie is really good I think. <laughs> um all right 
So uh, yeah, the the short story for me maybe starts at uh, after college, kind of went through college, didn't really know what I want to do, got back to the Bay Area from the East Coast and um, was kind of doing a, a bunch of different jobs. And then I, I just, it was strange. I remember reading this article in the San Francisco Chronicle about this program. This is this guy, David Kelly did mm-hmm. in the product design. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the precursor of the D school. It was this random article about the final presentations. And I remember the student project, you know, one student had done a, a set of gloves that were designed for helping you climb trees really well. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and it was just like, it was ideas like that. It was just this, it was like, I don't know what clicked, but what clicked was, wow, they're, they're, they're actually doing this. They actually get to build things. And I think it put together a bunch of disparative things. Like I love motorcycles and working on them, but I thought like Jeremy, I thought I had to go to work and, you know, do, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So um, put those things together. And, and unlike me, I was not sort of super outgoing in that stage or whatever. I remember I literally went down to Stanford, drove down to Stanford, went into the director of the program then introduced myself and said, Hey, really want to go here. He's just like, uh, okay, well, there's a kind of a process for that. You can't just walk <laughs> in the office. Wait, how old were you? Uh, people, people don't usually come in my office, you know, but. Um, uh, I hear you're the president they, of uh, Stanford, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, you, got, you got space around here for me. I, I can just go right over there. I wouldn't bother you. I wouldn't make very much noise at all. Like, you know, can I just call you? <laughs> Your desk is really big. I'll just take a little edge. Um, this guy, Rolf, was super nice. Uh-huh. He said, he gave me great advice. He said, go shadow the students, mm. go out to the, you know, go talk to a bunch of students and see. And I, I did. And I met a whole bunch of nice people, went to like class, I pretended I was a student for a, a day or two. And how old and were it was you? Like, I'm sorry. And from then on, what's that? How old were you? I was 23, maybe okay. something like that. Yeah. Yep. 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 And then I, you know, then I, uh, you know, I applied, I was, I was hell bent on it. I, I went to night school to do the classes I had to do to make up for the engineering stuff. Cause I hadn't done engineering mm-hmm. stuff and all that rigmarole, but, but you know, went to this thing product design and it was an amazing program where basically you worked with a machine shop right next to you, a CAD loft, all that stuff. But you were, it was back in the day, it was the D school, the place we work now came out of physical product. Mm-hmm. And this is what I started with. And then the, the product I did is up in the corner here. You can see those Ooh. snowshoes of all yeah. things. Yeah. These are these things. Atlas Snowshoe Company was the, I started it. So the other thing I knew I wanted to do, I knew I wanted to start a company. So I started this company called Atlas Snowshoe Company. Um, and it was, it was awesome. It was 10 years of my life and it was, it was great. It was vertically integrated. It was down here in South of market in San Francisco. We made the products, we sold the products. And I think what, what that did for me was it putting the pieces together. I think I'd always been sort of not very good at anything, mm. but I was really good when you could see all the pieces. I could really sort of see how these things might fit together. And, you know, the other pet peeve as when, when founders talk about startups, I'm just going to say it was, this is with like the 10% of your time you get to do creative stuff because you had a 90%. Yeah. You got to like do all the work, right? So it was loads and loads of work. But in that 10%, I was like, whoa, like that's it. Like that's what I want to be doing. And it's the same now. So that, and then Stanford had a, had a thing back then. They would bring you back in to teach. Mm-hmm. So pretty quickly, I got asked to teach. Wow. And that hit some of the same things of just like, there's nothing better than putting the pieces together mm-hmm. and have somebody like what you deliver. Mm-hmm. The snowshoes were like that. I mean, I, you produce a product and then, you know, somebody sort of stops you and says, whoa, like these are awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, uh, that's amazing. And it's the same thing. I mean, Kwaku, Jeremy, and I, in classes, you deliver it. You're just like, you can tell those days where, you know, Kwaku's come in and collaborated us on with some of those days that have had this kind of feeling where it's like, whoa, like, you know, that's amazing. And yeah. you made a huge impact. And yeah. I think if you can, if you can 
orchestrate all that stuff. It's awesome. So that's, that's my origin. That's how, I, that's how I got into this innovation stuff and, yeah. and also trying to inspire it in others. Because once you're past a, you know, a founder or maybe a co-founder, mm-hmm. that's your job. Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't care you are a startup. You got to be doing this stuff. And how do you inspire others? How do you get others to be creative? How do you get like, I need this is we've got to get more ideas because we're always out of money. We're always up against the deadline. We're always, you know, struggling to survive. You know, it's like yeah. this is everyone's got to be know, innovating. One thing that yeah. uh, just came to my mind, Perry, as you were telling that about somebody seeing your snowshoe. Barry and I did a mm-hmm. lecture last week or, two, or a couple weeks ago about seeking inspiration around the discipline mm-hmm. of inspiration. And what we've observed, and Otto, you probably can attest to this if you're a musician, is mm-hmm. I taught a class with a rapper a couple of years ago, and he mm-hmm. and I were, t- were giving our students an assignment on seeking inspiration. And you could tell people in the yeah. room were like, they don't even know what that is like what are you talking about yeah. and my wife i happen to be yeah. fortunate enough to have a wife who was a fashion designer and she was inspiration mm-hmm. is like you know a class in fashion design school you know yeah. and so i would see yeah. her put together inspiration boards she'd go on trips and stuff so i kind of but as an mba you know as a recovering mba as i like to say i um <laughs> i wouldn't have known it you know and so when when lecrae and i were giving this assignment students were kind of dumbfounded and we were we started talking about inspiration, and we and he said something really profound. I thought he said inspiration is a discipline, and it's just like Steph, mm-hmm. you know, you know, taking you know uh, practice threes, you know. And I love actually that thought. I hadn't really thought about it quite like how you said, but flow and practice, effortless and effortful, mindful. There's something there, and I mm-hmm. I want to dig into that. I wrote it down to think about more later. But one of the things that mm-hmm. so inspiration as a topic has been on our minds for the last couple of years. And we've just been pulling together as we read. We're nerds. You know, Perry's got the phonograph in the background. I've got like a stack of like 70 books there that I'm in the middle of, which is maddening and also fun, you know. And uh, one of the things that we've observed is that the, the inputs that fuel creative process are neglected by people who say they're not in a creative field. So Creative people are thoughtful about their inputs. You know, if you're a musician, you're listening to music Mm -hmm. all the time. You know, if you're a writer, you're often reading. And but you know, if somebody's in business, Mm -hmm. they might even even more so if you're 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 looking for a different kind of music. Yeah, Yeah. if you're a musician, like you're you're going to all kinds of like you're you're seeking out like I want to be provoked by something else. Yeah, and it's you know, how often do you see that in a to your point, Jeremy? You don't we don't see that. Yeah. A lot of the students go on a field and they stay there. Well, I, so I can empathize. Like in that moment, uh, that what are you talking about? Inspiration? Like what inputs to my thinking? Like I got a plan or I got a model or I got a spreadsheet. Yeah. But anyway, so that's been something that's kind of been on our minds. We've been collecting, you know, stories, yeah. anecdotes, tactics, etc. And just a couple of weeks ago, we just did a lecture at Stanford, had a bunch of people sign up. They joined a Zoom. So it's several hundred people on a Zoom call, just like this, just like us now. And we, yeah. ha- we give this lecture and it's just stuff we care about. We haven't really shared it before in any particular way, um, but we care about it. We're passionate about it. So clearly we're enthusiastic, but the call ends and, you know, it's like we blocked an hour at the end of the call. I realized there's the chat's been blowing up, but I've been talking uh-huh. a lot and I hadn't really been able to read the chat. So I just said to, to the rest of the team, y'all drop off. I'm going to stay on and I'm going to turn off my video, hit mute. I'm just going to read the chat because I want to see, and I've got like, a stack of like 30 post-its of things I still got to go back to because the chat was so rich. But I'm sitting wow. there and I'm just reading. And then I hear this voice, um, he- hello? 
That's creepy. I, and I look, and there's like 50 or 60 people still on. I mean, no faces. So everybody's video off. Yeah. Yeah. But there's like this voice, yeah. and I just, I, I said, and I realized I'm the only teacher here. <laughs> so I was like, hi, uh, this is Jeremy. And, and this gentleman says, Jeremy, you mean the person who is just giving the, the talk? And I, I said, yeah, what's your name? And he said, um, my name's Dave. Uh, I'm sorry, my, my voice is shaking right now. I, I can't believe I got to hear those things. I, wow. I almost didn't come today, but I, I've just got to say that was probably the best talk I've ever heard in my entire life. And wow. I, I just want to say thank you. I can't believe that you're still here, you know. And to, to, I mean, to what Perry was saying earlier, you know, like you, somebody, it's like, that's one person for all I know, the other, right. you know, 900 people, yeah. eh, they're like, whatever, give or take, which I had my hour back. Sure. But this one guy, yeah. like I was flying <laughs> yeah. high for days because of this sincere, yeah. heartfelt connection. We yeah. put a lot of heart into preparing those materials. Not for, I mean, it was mm -hmm. free talk, it's, uh, but just because we want to mm -hmm. share it. And for one yeah. person to resonate, yeah. it's like that was worth it. Done. It's like I'm I'm done. Yeah. You know, mission accomplished. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like I love how you use the word um connection um and and how it sort of dovetails into inspiration because it's you know, I, I guess we're taught as artists, right, that like everything is inspirational. So even if you're if you're a musician, it's not just that you're listening to other music, but you're going to see other you're going to see theater you're going to watch sports you the galleries thing that just is happening down the street the jackhammer like inspires you in some way and it's like there's an openness that I think that we're not taught, I'll go back to sort of the, the societal constructs that we're not taught. We're, we're not taught to sort of be open vessels and like accept and see everything because again, there's a there's a line that you're supposed to follow and there's a route that you're supposed yeah. to be on and you can't ever, it's only the weird artists that are able to sort of divert from the route and do other things. But like, if you're gonna be an engineer, you're gonna be an engineer and you have to study these courses and this and that and the other thing. And it's like inspiration comes and I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go here before Kwaku does, I'm gonna beat him because our favorite book is Range by David Epstein. <laughs> yeah. And he talks about <laughs> that all the time. Yeah. Like the 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 the, you guys, the um you guys always talk about that. Yeah, we, we always because we it's like that book <laughs> was like it's a great book, but it's always you know, we again I I talk about like the sort of the the cultural sort of like we're on a railroad track and the and and there's a yeah. there's a prescribed stops and you get off at that stop and then you get back on and then you go here and you go here and you're not supposed to look around you're supposed to just go straight and what you guys are saying is it's like get out and take a walk maybe miss this train and yeah. maybe take the car maybe take a walk hey, so literally yeah. literally one of the things is take a walk yeah you know, Jeremy and I do these experiments all the time, but we assign this in class. But sometimes we're working on something where we say, okay, we're stuck on this thing. This is the problem. Mm -hmm. So the deal is don't take your phone, don't do anything, but this is the problem. Write it down and post it if you have to, but we're just going to get back on the phone in 15 minutes, but you just have to go outside. Yeah. It's, yeah. you know, it's just yeah. like you change your frame, right? And you start looking at the sky, you start looking at somebody walking their dog, you start thinking, and you just, to your point, it's like the jackhammer, it's an analog, right? Yeah. It just, all you do is clash jackhammer with whatever the problem is. Yeah. And it's, it generates nonsensical things, but mm -hmm. that's for your brain to figure out. You're just driving new connections, right? And so much of the the life we go through is we're not we're not provoking those connections. Yeah, 
Yeah. And I think that's where people are mindful. I can't tell you how many people you said engineers. What's interesting about engineers, they're stuck on a problem. Mm -hmm. And they even some of the stuff we teach to the, that group about, have you tried taking a nap? Yeah. <laughs> like, what do you tell them that, you know, um, the, is it Edison? What's the story, Jerry? It's such a fascinating story. You know, Edison is the, you know, right here, right? Living yeah. industry. It's yeah. The 1906 thing. But he had, a, he used napping as a way to yeah, solve he problems, had, right? He had yeah. what was called his, yeah. um, his thinking chair. And okay. what it was, was he would be, if he was stuck on a problem, he would put two metal ball bearings in his palms. He would sit down in a uh -huh. chair and he'd put a pie pan underneath each arm of the chair. And he'd actually go to sleep until his palms released <laughs> and the, the ball bearings were playing yep. and wake him up. And he would, he would write yeah. down what he was thinking. Because he yeah, so valued the subconscious process that he actually, uh -huh. what's cool, and I think what's really profound is wielding such tactics as a tool. Like for most people, they mm -hmm. go, I'm yeah, going to nap. Right. And that means not work. And Edison, right. he didn't call it a sleeping right. chair. He called it his thinking chair, you know? And to say, uh -huh. this is another, it's like, I'm going to approach it this way now. Now I'm going to approach it this way. Yeah. And we, but what yeah. we want to do, like we, you know, one of the things we do is we compartmentalize. And that's actually part of what mm -hmm. we've been yeah. exploring with people is, how do you, if you acknowledge and you recognize that where there's meaningful problems you're trying to solve or inspiration or things that are kind of on the back of your mind, how do you build the discipline of capturing ideas when they come at inopportune times? Because ideas have yeah. a way of coming yeah. when, you, when you aren't expecting them. And, but the question is, yeah. do you have a discipline at the very least of capture, of, you know, of, of making sure that when it comes, you go, yeah. that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It reminds me of this. Uh, Jeremy, you can totally, you can expense the milkshake now to cite that research. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. I just want to see that go through. That'd be so awesome. He's like, I, I just I did. <laughs> Arthur, what, what you were saying, you yeah. know, what you were saying is reminding me of this poet. I can't remember her name. I think I was listening to her on NPR or something. Um, and she's talking about when she gets inspiration. I and I and I feel this as when I've written before, when um suddenly you hear the voices in your head. You, and I've written plays, you hear the two voices or the three voices, you see the scene in your head and it becomes like taking dictation. Like I can't keep up with what they're saying and I gotta type faster because it's gonna be gone. This woman, and I wish I could remember her name, you know, she um, she's a, you know, a, a quite accomplished poet and uh, she lives, let's say, in Vermont or something like that. And when she walks or anywhere she goes, she makes sure she has a pen and paper or a pad and paper, right? And so one day she was out in the field um, walking and she had forgotten her pen and paper, but she felt, as she said, a poem coming. So she's running home, like a mile, like yeah. running, running, because she can yeah. feel it coming. And if it, if she misses it, that's it. It's gone. Maybe it'll come back later. But like, and it was, it's such a great image because she's like running ahead of the poem so she can get home to catch it on the piece of paper, which I think is what you guys are trying to inspire and, and uh, inspire is a great word, but also sort of teach because I've never thought of it as a, a function thing like we're going to work out well this is the thing this is we're, we're working on our free throws right and so so when you get to the game you just you just put it in the basket that's all you do right and so that's what you guys are doing which is brilliant and is that what's ha is that what you 
So what is that? And maybe I'm getting ahead, Kwaku. You slow me down because I get no, 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 no. Okay, <laughs> not getting ahead. You're yeah, yeah. you're going at the right exact pace. Okay, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna have you go in there, and I'm I just want to put something for you guys to think about mm-hmm. because you, we're going so fast. And I'm like I want to, yeah. but what the but the, <laughs> um, the one thing you guys are talking about with uh, getting people out of the mindset of getting off of the train uh, tracks or mm-hmm. hopping onto a different car or even doing the seeking random inputs. So mm-hmm. I mean, obviously people can't see what's happening uh, in the zoom portion but jeremy has this amazing blog which i've been obsessed with lately and i always send him these messages like yeah that was great Thank you. i literally used this blog post with my seven-year-old oh, oh cool where yeah. we did this thing because he was trying to figure out a problem about something with his magnets mm. and magnetite mm. I will, i'll get into that later mm. um when you were talking about getting people to think differently to get off of that path to sort of uh stretch their thinking if you will and I was thinking about it for myself. It's like, what got me or gets me to that point? You know, when you're locked in and there's the wandering piece, but if people are like from a career systematically or, or habitually don't feel comfortable getting out of that space mm-hmm. or, look, or coming at things at different angles. And what, what came to mind first for me was <coughs> failure. Mm-hmm. If, you're, if mm-hmm. the process that you always use is not working and you're trying it slightly different and it still does not work. For me, it's always been failure. Failure, self, or whatever, just speaking about me, empowers me. Failure or, not, or a lack of expertise, if we're going to you know, refer to range again, allows me to be like, all right, well, I've tried this. Well, that's not going to work. Well, let me try this other thing. I don't know how to do it, but mm-hmm. even, if I, even if I fail in trying to do it, that's going to help me get to where I want to get with yeah. a bigger problem that I'm trying to tackle. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to leave this out here. How do you coach people or help people to uh, diversify their thinking to get to that place where they can seek the random inputs? Hmm. I think I, one thing that's reminds me of is it's kind of on the topic. Just bear with me. Is we um, there's a bunch of research. So in Launchpad, we find that um, founders that succeed and persevere through starting up deal with a lot of failure. Right. Yeah. The thing that they are is they're in love with the problem. Mm-hmm. And they fall more and more in love with the problem, right? So if the solution goes away, you know, like if, if you're in love with teaching or class, you're like, I really want to get this across to them. It's like, oh, that class didn't go that well. Yeah. But I'm still I'm still actually really passionate about getting this content across. You'll get back up and, you know, figure out a new way. But it allows these subtle reframes. And we talk a lot about framing. One thing I think failure really drives, if you if you inspect and you, you spend a moment and reflect, one of the questions to ask is, was I trying to even do the right thing? Mm. You know, I failed, but was it, is this exactly that? Could I, could I slightly reframe what I'm doing? Mm. You know, it's for example, the snowshoe business, a great example of this. I started the snowshoe business. I thought it was all about building a really light pair of snowshoes. Uh, in 1991, what was the total snowshoe market in the United States? It was like, it was like zero. I was going to say, I used people to bought this. wood snowshoes <laughs> and they put them up on their wall yep. and that was it. Mm-hmm. There was no market. Right. right. So the real problem, once I failed and it didn't sell for a while, I was like, the real problem was like, I need to, I need to get people to, to, to take a look at snowshoeing. Mm-hmm. Like that's why I need, that was the real job of the company. Mm-hmm. And the reframe happened through relentless failure and just shifting and shifting and shifting. Right. And that's one of the things we see with, with anybody being creative. If you can inspect your failures and, one of the most valuable things is to get some type of a new frame or pr- when I say frame, what I mean is a new problem. Right. Like yeah. that you try to solve that problem. It didn't work. It's, it's equally likely you're solving the, the raw problem at wrong problem as you have the wrong solution. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if you take that mindset and you, so oh, these things are two things that move. Mm-hmm. 
the world doesn't just serve up perfect problems all the time. Right. You know, that's not the way it works. So if you see those two things as the two things you're doing as a designer or as somebody creative, you know, which we're all creative, but that's those two things are in play. And too often, I think back to Ato, what you said about engineers, they see the problem side is fixed. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, this is the problem. My professor assigned it. Right. Rather than saying, oh, wait a second, if I just look at it differently, if I, if I, you know, turn it this way and I think about solving something a little bit different, yeah, that's a big part, I think, of the failure cycle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and I think kind of dovetails into that, uh, Jeremy, you started off with that excellence, right? I think part of that excellence uh, culturally is like, well, if I pick up a guitar and I'm not Jimi Hendrix within the first week, I'm going to put it down, right? Because yeah. I can't, I, like, it's too hard, you know, I mean, I, guitar I picked up as something that I said, I want to play guitar because I love this kind of music, right? And I was ready to learn how to play the guitar and do what I could to learn it. Um, and on the, that journey, there were some, a lot of people that I met along the way, especially when I was carrying my guitar all the time, playing it, playing it, playing it anytime I could. And people were like, oh man, I, I want to play guitar right and i what what i would hear invariably is all the different excuses as to why they can't play the guitar my hands are too small or my hands are too big or you know uh the the, the strings are too you know hard or whatever and it was like you're already going into it saying you can't do it and you can't be prince so if you can't be prince which only prince can be prince so forget all that you're not going to be you're going to be you and i think part of that is also i think that's what you guys are trying to unpack with people it's like and and going to what kwaku said it's like the mistakes are the things that teach you how to do the thing right it's like that i can't get this chord what is a way to figure out to, how to solve that problem so i can play this chord clean and then and then transition to that chord and that's a problem solving thing and it what might work for perry might not work for Kwaku might not work for me but damn it it works for Jeremy you know what I mean and like that creative process is what what you get Jimi Hendrix which he didn't have any you know formal lessons he picked up a guitar because he kind of I think his dad saw him like playing a broom like a guitar he just was in it and so he's like all right let's get some money and buy this little kid a guitar and suddenly the kid's stringing the guitar upside down and doing all of this stuff. And it's like, he's not playing it like he's supposed to, like an engineer would. And I, you know, I'm clowning my fellow engineers, but like, again, <laughs> it's like, well, the, the, the guitar is built this way. You're supposed to do it this way. Well, Jimi Hendrix is left-handed. There are no right-handed guitars. He solved the problem. I'm going to string it upside down and play it backwards. Okay. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'll go, I'll go even deeper with that. He yeah. was, I think he, I believe he was the first person who would play chords where he'd bring his thumb over. Yes. The neck. Yep. And so essentially going back to what you're saying about like, how do I play this chord? Yeah. And if you're, if you're reframing it the way Perry said, mm. how do I get to this key? Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. And so to get to this key, if that means, that, and I'm going to get really dorky and musical here. If getting to this key means I need to get to this root note, mm -hmm. these four fingers are doing something. I just want to mm -hmm. change the root. Because mm -hmm. th this chord will work over a different route. Why don't mm -hmm. I just stick my thumb over the back yeah. of the neck? Yeah. As opposed to finding a way to just using the, yeah. these four fingers. And there's somebody going, you can't do that. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> totally. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely yeah. love that. That's great. Yeah. I, I'm just like, about just, to say something. I was. No, no. But go I'm going to let it. you go. No, because before, no, no. 
before you were going, you were going in a different direction. And I wanted you to, I wanted to come back to that. Like the question that you had right before I introduced like failure as a bridge to creativity. As, oh, as so, I mean, there's, there's a couple of things that I, I kind of wanted to like, somebody mentioned something about physical things, which I also find, um, uh, really engaging. Uh, I think it's one of the reasons why I love vinyl records because, and I've said this to Kwaku a million times, I mean, I've grown up listening to music, collecting it all the time. I used to have vinyl records when I was a kid and then it was mostly cassettes. Then it went to CDs. Then we went to streaming music and uh, you, um, um, iTunes and all that stuff. And I jumped on board lost all my CDs and all that stuff. They're, they were in a closet for some reason. Um, but the cool thing about having streaming music and iTunes and all that was like, you have all the music whenever you want, wherever you want. It's ubiquitous and it's, and it's convenient. And that's how it went for like 10 years. And I'll never forget one of my dear friends who I was working with, uh, my, my friend Tessa, knows how much I love Jimi Hendrix and she's a vinyl head and she went and bought a Jimi Hendrix posthumous album for me unbeknownst to me and put it in my hands and she's like oh, I was just at the record store I bought some I was like oh and she put this thing in my hands I had no way to play it because I haven't had a record player in a million years um, and it happened to be one of the albums that I really like. It's one of those bootleg albums. And I was like, how did you know? She's like, I just know you. I was like, okay, great. And so I put the record, I, I went and bought a little shitty little vinyl player and um, put the record on, put the needle on, had to f remember how to do it carefully. And the music came out. And the I realized that, the and, and from there, I just started buying vinyl, like just all the time and then got our stereo and all that stuff. And I think why I'm saying this is that what's great about digital music and all that stuff is it's ubiquitous and it's convenient. But what's also shitty about it is it's ubiquitous and convenient. Mm. And you lose the connection to it, right? Because now I have hard drives full of music. I don't know. I don't know what this stuff is. I'm just like, I don't even enjoy it. But like suddenly having this thing in my hand, having to take care of it, having to clean it, having to use it, having to like actually well, even, yeah, in a physically. Room. It, it's, and it smells like something. Yeah. It has a smell. It has a feel. It, yeah. it's, I, I agree. There's something about it. we're human beings and empathetic. Yeah. And you're also interacting with something. Yeah. You know, so I've had the same experience with record stores, like the experience going to a record store with my daughter. Right. You know. And I, and I feel like that's kind of maybe what you guys are trying to thread back into the experience, because I think technology is, I love technology, I'm a technophile, all that stuff, but I think it's exceeded our or transcended human beings, because we're still the same human beings that existed 250,000 years ago, right? So we can't really respond to touch screens, right? Because there's no feedback. But what you guys seem to be introducing is like, we like you're making things like snowshoes. Who, who the fuck is making snowshoes right now? Do you know what I mean? But like, it's it's a thing that you have to make. It's a it's a it's a solvable physical problem that you need to be in the same room with people, right? And I think both of you are doing something like that. And I, I think there's a connection there that I think that's what we're starting to miss. That we're going back we, to well, as you human know, beings. You know, Otto, you're you're kind of stimulating mm -hmm. something for me, which is you know what it takes to uh, to realize a connection like creativity is about connection mm -hmm. a new idea is a new mm -hmm. connection and it's basically a new mm -hmm. connection between two you know parts of my brain that hadn't connected before like like one right. of the, uh, this is a very this is a very simple statement yeah. but it's like it's it stayed with me i saw somebody some neurologist say it the brain is incapable of creating new material 
Like mm. we aren't, we, mm. we're, it's, it can make new connections, but it's not coming up with like, yeah. it's impossible for you to think of a gold yeah. mountain if you aren't familiar with gold and mountains. Can't do it, right? Yes. You have no, unless there's, unless the raw material is already there. So it's really about connection. But what's, what we have found fascinating, especially in the Zoom age, you know, we're typically, mm -hmm. Perry and I are running these large programs at Stanford for, you know, 60 to 80 executives. They're highly immersive, highly experiential, dawn till dusk, you're sweating. We remove all the chairs from the mm -hmm. space, you know, and it's great. Uh -huh. it's, it's, it's profound. Yeah. But now all that stuff's been taken to Zoom. And Zoom fatigue mm -hmm. is a real thing, right? And, and we can't, and so we were forced just by virtue of the format to think about, you know, giving breaks. But one of the things that was a profound realization for us is new connections are accelerated by disconnection, by removing mm. yourself from, it could even be the environment. It could be, I mean, like digital disconnection. It could be shutting the screen, mm -hmm. but you know, when my brain often makes the connections, it's when I have a chance to consider and marinate and ponder and wonder, yeah. right? And it, and wondering yeah. rarely happens when I'm like, when I'm being efficient, when I'm working the spreadsheet, when I'm on the sales call, whatever, it happens in between. It's why ideas come in the shower or like I heard, I heard somebody say recently, the history of innovation is the bud, the bed, the bath and the, uh, the bed, the bath and the bus. <laughs> and, yeah. and that's yeah. and, and if you think about it all of those are moments of disconnection you know and yeah. and so for us i mean it was yeah. it was actually delightful because because of zoom fatigue that's why that's the rationale for doing this but we'll yeah. tell people go on a walk for 30 minutes like if you mm. came to stanford and you're paying the prices that 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 the university charges to come to an exec ed program if we said, we're going to have 30 minutes of daydreaming now, you'd be like, I want my money back, right? Yeah. <laughs> Zoom, but actually, by the way, that would probably be really useful. We should, but we don't Absolutely. do it in person, right? Because we got to make the most of every moment. Yeah. Well, because everybody's going, yeah. dude, I'm getting tired of Zoom. We program in a mm -hmm. daydream time, literally walk around and leave your computer behind. And you know what's amazing? People are coming up with better ideas, right? Yeah. Wow. Okay, you're blowing me away with this because I mean, just professionally, I've been struggling with the following, how I, I've lost all of my daydreaming time during the day, you know, like, mm. you go to work, you come home, there's never I mean, depending on your job, there's going to be these gaps, maybe the gap is on your commute, maybe the gap is like, there's time between meetings where everyone else is busy, and you just have like an hour to yourself. Mm -hmm. But in pandemic times, it's sort of like, all right, well, I have I have this time that I need to be with my family where I'm not at work. So then when I am at work, I need to jam something into every single slot of the day. Hyper efficient, and, hyper productive on one dimension. And, and I, on one, it doesn't make any sense. And I was complaining about mm. it to my wife. I'm like, I'm exhausted. And I feel like I'm not really, I'm not really, you know, uh, I, I, I'm not having the same moments of inspiration that I would have a year ago. And she's like, yeah, you don't have any time to breathe or think. You literally try to, because I do, I'm like, all right, I feel guilty. I need to make sure that I'm working, you know, this thing I need to. Well, you got the, you also got the cinder block office. This it's okay. Like cell block I, I do. Yeah. That, <laughs> <laughs> I've, made, I've, I've made a lot of hay on that. Anytime oh, I come I'm like, bro, you need some. You need He's not broadcasting. Yeah. Apparently yeah. made the same exact jokes. Like blink yeah. twice if you're safe. Is there anyone yeah. in the room? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> no, but, okay, but, but seriously, the, the idea of, even, even what you're saying, and this might be something that you guys are doing with your exec ed piece now, coming out of COVID, how do people excuse themselves 
from what what that breakneck work thing was mm-hmm. to say, all right, I'm I'm gonna put in an hour here, and I'm I'm just I'm I'm just gonna put an hour where I maybe I go for a walk, maybe I'm reading something, maybe mm-hmm. I'm literally doing nothing. Yeah, because boredom. Dad, when I remember being young was like one of the key um, uh, igniters of creativity, like doing yeah. something that you didn't want to do, but you were trapped doing it for hours. Mm-hmm. My family and I used to proctor medical exams. What? That, yeah. Oh, I never told you this. It was really Nerds. random. Like they, yeah, they pay good money. It's like <laughs> people, went to, people went to school overseas, but they wanted to practice yeah. in the States. So yeah. it's like a three day thing. Wow. You can't read. You can't look at your phone. You wow. have to walk around to make sure no one's cheating because it's like, you know, it's mm-hmm. very valuable to have one of these things. Sure. And so you're just doing this for like two days straight. Mm-hmm. And I would have so many ideas mm-hmm. because I was forced to That's... not focus yeah. on anything. Well, you know, you know where Einstein uh, came up with the theory of relativity. He's sitting on a stool in the Swiss patent office eight hours a day. Mm-hmm. bored out of yeah. his mind he was unemployable he yeah. got to the point he was the yeah. only he was the, he was the <laughs> only student in his graduating class who didn't have a job upon graduation and he started applying not only to universities because they wouldn't even consider him because his doctoral thesis wasn't approved because it was too unconventional but he started applying to high schools and he couldn't get a job and so he started attaching uh, postage paid uh, returned uh, you know envelopes just to get a response and he wow. didn't. Mm. And he had a friend who found him an opening in the Swiss patent office, but he couldn't be a first class patent officer because you have to have a PhD, which he didn't have. And he couldn't be a second one, class one. He was a third class patent officer and he's sitting and he did what he called uh, something like Gerdunken. Uh, there's, there's a German word, which means thought experiments. And he would just think uh-huh. about stuff. And he's just he's, he's ev- yeah. doing low level evaluation of patent applications. But he's just thinking. I mean, it's it's just like you in the proctoring these medical exams. And what's crazy is, you know, he wrote. I, you know, there's a miracle year, 1905, I, approximately. Um, these p- papers they were being published, but they weren't being recognized. I mean, for for you know, he didn't yeah. win the Nobel Prize for like 17 more years. But he he wasn't even yeah. employed by a university for another four or five years. But the thing that strikes me is, people would write him and ask him about relativity. And I, I remember reading in Isaacson's book one thing that um, that Einstein said when he 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 would he he was asked to to submit uh, an article in a journal about his theory of relativity, and he said, mm-hmm. "I'm I regret to inform you that the libraries are closed by the time I get off work, and I have no <laughs> laboratory equipment to conduct experimental measurements. So these wow. thoughts are based purely on my." thought process but i can't but i have to confess i'm not familiar with the latest research on the subject that he invented wow (laughs) literally by the time the guy get one he has no access to a laboratory so he's not running experiments and two the library is closed when i get off work so i can't even catch up on my reading right but boredom getting back to that that idea of just mind-numbing boredom and that's not to say that everybody makes the most of it but it is to say at the very least that boredom isn't a uh prison sentence it can be an amazing Mm -hmm. uh amazingly rich source of creativity and invention if you if you have discipline and you and you and you put yourself in that place yeah 
it's a source of wealth. And oh, yeah. sorry, go ahead, go ahead, Alter. No, I, I think I've said this on the podcast before, but I've heard this anecdote about uh, uh, Gene Roddenberry, who created uh, Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And when he was a little kid, uh, you know, I, I think his parents gave him toys and all that stuff. But the one toy, not even a toy, that he was interested in was this huge like shipping box that he would like turn over and just sit in, right? And his parents were like. This kid doing hours and hours and hours. He's just sitting quietly in a box, right? And later, you know, he he tells this story and he's like, That's where I created Star Trek. I was just sitting there, nothing to do, nobody bothered me, and I'm in space. I'm in a black, you know, uh, space that I can create aliens and Klingons and, you know, all this stuff. And I'm like, Wow. And it just also, um, why I'm really excited about you know how you guys are approaching this stuff is uh, it it just tells you how many potential geniuses are out there, right? Mm. And it's just the way everything is structured, again, going back to success and being excellent and that sort of enclosed, circumscribed locus of things that are that are considered mm. excellent. You could be a guy sitting in a patent office just bored out of his mind, coming up with the thing that essentially is allowing us to do what we're doing now, right? <laughs> is launching satellites, a theory of relativity, and there's so much unmined potential out there for various reasons you know mm-hmm. you know economic reasons and uh, social stratification reasons and if you if we are able to tap into all of that potential yeah. uh, man coronavirus <laughs> that would have right. been a, that would have been a like an awkward weekend do you know what i mean you know <laughs> it's just that weekend so Remember that, that was weird oh, yeah i had the sniffles for a second and damn all right well yeah the next door neighbor just came up with the virus uh, the vaccine it was cool you know what i mean like but <laughs> this thing so like how how like so do you guys work together is it like so what is what is what you do how is that implemented or how is it um how do you present well, one it? thing one thing just to connect two previous threads if you'll hold that for one second yeah is, sure sure uh there's something about what we were talking about failure and you know how do you how do and mm-hmm. and then also the possibility potential geniuses i think the thing mm-hmm. that is uh the missing ingredient is care does oh, somebody yeah. actually care and that's that's the mm. and that's part of where the human centered piece comes for us. I mean, at the D school, we teach human centered, user centered designs. So we're always thinking about the human beings at the center of our design work. But but even sometimes mm-hmm. we fail to trigger that care. But to me, there's a question, and it mm-hmm. doesn't have to be human care. You know, I mean, like uh, Einstein had a care and an obsession uh, about the, about you know he you know the the Maxwell's field theories, you know, so that's not, it's not like that it has Mm -hmm. to be human compassion kind of care necessarily. Is there something that you actually care, be interested, care, and, Mm. and a lot of times that boredom and the failure or the, you know, banging your head against the wall is, it's Mm. gotta be fueled by an underlying restlessness and a sense of, I've, I want to figure this out. And the underlying Mm. kind of spark of, uh, passion, curiosity, and I would say, you know, to, to criticize ourselves for a moment, when we fail, and we failed a lot of times, what we're doing is we actually fail to ignite that underlying sense of obsession, passion, and we have shortcuts mm-hmm. to try to do that, but they're not guarantees. Mm-hmm. I think the challenge in a lot of, you know, jobs is I'm just working for the man. 
like, and, and you know, yeah. and like, and now I can be more efficient, you know, productivity is higher than ever. I can be more efficient, but now like I've, I've thought about this when, when Perry and I were at Stanford uh, on campus, I mean, you know, in person, in the flesh where, right. you know, we got, say we have five hours of meetings a day and then we got, you know, three hours that were there, but we're not meeting that time is spent interacting kind of, you know, shooting the breeze, touching base with other colleagues, et cetera. Now, you know, maybe starting new projects, right? Now that five hours, it gets compressed into Zoom. Now, I mean, to, I, think, uh, I think what Kwaku was saying, now I'm trying to think, do I want to have a random meeting with a random colleague, which would have happened naturally anyway? Or do I want to throw the, fr like, I'm looking at my backyard right now. I could be throwing the Frisbee with my eight-year-old right there, right? And right. so all of a sudden, all the stuff that has to get done does get done. But the stuff that that the serendipity and the stuff that's non-essential, it's getting it's getting kind of evaluated against. I mean, who's gonna who's gonna blame me for wanting to throw the frisbee with my daughter instead of like go to a random happy hour? It's not happy, you know. It's like right, right. And, yeah, and so right. and so that's like the weird thing right now. But but if and I think that's actually part of the challenge with organizations trying to stimulate in, in innovation and creativity right now is. If people don't care, they're going to clock in for yeah. all the for all the requirements. But but you know, checking the boxes on the requirements isn't going to deliver uh, you know growth for the organization and impact to the economy. It's mm -hmm. like it's all the stuff that's in between that feels mm -hmm. unnecessary and that sometimes we roll our eyes about, but we got to do it. But now that all that stuff's gone, mm -hmm. there's there's something missing. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Do you prefer? Uh, this, I mean, this is going to sound like a really bad interview question, but would you prefer to be at inbox zero or to have three to four random conversations a day? Mm. I mean, I haven't seen inbox zero in a smooth decade, but I have a ton of <laughs> yeah. random conversations. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But maybe, but to Jeremy's point, Kwaku, I wonder if sort of part of it is like this, this year is so crazy with, with COVID, right? Is um, you, you haven't had as many, you know, yeah. you've, you've not had interactions with, I mean, I recall we collaborated with you on a certain class. It was just like, okay, great. We're all super busy, right? That was super fun. But that was a good example of we were stuck and we acknowledged we were stuck with this particular class in the spring. Mm -hmm. And you and another guy came, we were just like, we just need you guys. I remember it was like, come in for 45 minutes. Great. Okay, you guys take off. Yeah. Like we're, we're good. We just needed a whole bunch of new perspective to break it open. And I say, so I think you asked the question, like, how do you, how do you, what do you do? Like, how do you act? I think um, to implement these things. I think there's there's a bunch of different things we we try to get across whether it's through classes or talks or what have you is this i think jeremy talked about the active active reflection i think a lot of that's overlooked like any of these things without any kind of a reflection vehicle whether it's journaling whether it's a ritual in the morning you just you spend a minute with nothing happening and and look at all like i got all these posts so if i don't take these down tomorrow mm -hmm. and actually go through them mm -hmm. and and decide what i what's sensible what's not i wrote down the thing that you know What's up with the physical productness and the feel? It's like, that's a cool idea. That'll mean nothing to me after about two hours. Right. You know what I mean? It'd be like, that's super interesting, right? And I'll understand all that stuff. So active reflection. And I think having these tools, like we have all kinds of different techniques. And the idea is that some of them are very low lift. You know, 
one of never the one I like the most is brainstorming the opposite when you're stuck. Yep. Is like yep. it actually works with with wives. It's like, how could I really screw up this conversation with my wife? You brainstorm <laughs> all the ways you do it, right? And like, and it's and then you take each one of those, you say, Wow, like how would I turn that into a good idea? It gets you at least some new material. So those of you, you know, talk about it. Not to know, mention that. Very yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, anyway, that's a good example of something that's like it's kind of fun to do. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's and there's something about if it's if it's easy and it's kind of fun mm-hmm. and you you actually care about what you're going to brainstorm about and you're actually going to going to reflect about it later. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of it. And it's and it's we find it's not um, some huge makeover to an organization or a huge makeover to a person. It's like you're just starting. Start somewhere, and then these things become habits. And once they become habits, and you get used to the way that feels. It can work into your work. Yeah. And I think, you know, Jeremy's talked about something that's really important is a lot of people, you know, if they don't like what they're tasked with, we can find other places to apply it. Right. What's your hobby? What are your interests? Right. You know? So that's that's how we do it. So tied to your question, Otto, earlier, mm-hmm. I had the uh the privilege of sitting in one of their sessions. Mm-hmm. Um it was the one, it was the one uh when I was up there with Luca, and it was the one, the improv one where you yeah. where mm-hmm. you would um you you separated people into groups and then there were like ones and twos and i think the ones would just walk around and the twos would be like oh we went to high school together um and you brought this improv and i and of course you know in, in my fashion i totally made someone feel 100 percent awkward which they mm-hmm. reflected on at the end of your session yeah totally because there was this, there was this woman who was a whole boy yeah no exactly <laughs> it's like i did it because i'm like oh this will be funny and then she started yeah. talking about it. i'm like they're never gonna allow me to come here again <laughs> because there was this woman i was like hey how you doing you know she's like yeah i'm samantha i'm like yeah didn't you used to be sam when we were in high school <laughs> and, and, and she locked up but me oh. i was just like oh if we're doing this let's buy in let's make this as weird as possible be- right because yeah, right, right. that's gonna make it more fun but that's that's one example i'm sure they can talk more but i think that was an executive thing that you guys were doing at that point, right? I think it was that one like, we do this leadership class, this fun leadership class where we we send those students um, in duos inside of organizations. And you know what organizations always say a lot of times? They say, we really want to be innovative. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, okay. Yeah. So we send the students yeah. into those teams and you can see what results is a true test of leadership, right? So it's a great leadership class. And that that thing is about, you know, sort of, that was about sort of like active failure. Like there's, there's no way you're going to, with all these prompts and all this stuff, like if you're trying to be perfect, I mean, yeah, maybe Otto would do it perfectly. Actually, <laughs> he's, already a, he's a trained actor. I never thought about this. It's like, I, Otto's like, well, what's the challenge? Yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> but um, anyway, to, to us normal mortals, Otto, it's, it's super challenging. So, but anyway, they're, they're stumbling. They're, they're embarrassed. They're making a mistake. They're like, Oh my God, that was, that was super hard. And it's it's also like saying, okay, then with a with a wrap, how do you how do you take that into something? Meaning, you know, you you're an instructor too. It's like we have a learning objective, right? We're trying to land it at the end and say, okay, the place to put this experience is a constructive place, which is, you know, you, you survive first of all. Yeah. Is like you no, nobody was mortally wounded from these interactions. The, that was amazing. And, you know, you learned a lot about when, when were the times it flowed? Mm-hmm. When were the times, you, you know, like when you let go, mm-hmm. when, you know, there was no right answer. Mm-hmm. And so much of the stuff they're doing, there's there's not a, and it's your auto, you said earlier, like so many people looking for the answer. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's not an answer, yeah. you know? Yeah. And if you're gonna, if you're gonna have an experience like that, like that 
improv thing. And that's, what's amazing is they're pulling from all kinds of things and they're just keeping it going. Yeah. Gotta, and that was also an exercise in like, you got to work as a duo. Yeah. Mm. You got, yeah, you, you're not, none of this stuff happens alone. Right. You know, so Perry's talking about the answer. This, this is one of our kind of hobby horse, interesting, uh, excited topics, but that is a paradigm that's got to be shattered. This idea yeah. that there is the right answer. Yeah. And some of the some of the some of the research that we end up citing often is research conducted by our friend Bob Sutton, who's in the School of Engineering, Management Science and Engineering. But he did a longitudinal study of uh, some innovative firms, and he, what he discovered was, if you want to, well, here I'll, I'll pose it as a question to you all, just for fun. If you want to deliver two or three uh, innovations out the end of your you know, product development process, you know you want two or three successful products. Mm -hmm. How many ideas do you need to start with to get two or three successful products? Atu, why don't you answer first? Oh, easily a thousand. I'm an actor. So like how many auditions have I had that I've failed and then you know I've gotten some good parts, right? So I'd say a, a thousand easily. Okay, that, well. That, that's good. I was going to say two to 300. So that's oh, wow. <laughs> good. So, so the, the answer is 4,000. 4,000. Okay. Jesus. Yeah. And wow. so, yeah. And, and to us, like that's an intimidating, if you think just kind of simply 2001 mm -hmm. idea, raw ideas to stuff mm -hmm. you make, to stuff you sell in mm -hmm. some way, to stuff that, act, mm -hmm. that you sell that actually works. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's roughly 2001 and we can talk about that, but the point I was wanting to make is, or the thing that was kind of coming to my mind, going back to the beginning of the conversation about flow mm. is because people can be intimidated if they go, whoa, you mean if I want a good idea, I got to come up with 2000 and it's not an instantaneous kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. it, it can't, I mean, it can be perceived that way. It's like, man, over the weekend, over this startup weekend, we got to come yeah. up with 2000. Yeah, that's, that's one way to think about it. But the other way is in the flow of your life, Mm -hmm. How many days or weeks or months does it take you to rack up 2000? Yeah. Do you yeah. have a practice? Yeah. Do you have, are you in the flow where ideas mm -hmm. are coming to you and you're capturing mm -hmm. them and yeah, 99.9% mm -hmm. .9 of them aren't going to succeed, but mm -hmm. you're not worried about succeeding. You're worried about just capturing the, the, the inputs and yeah. seeing if you can do something with some of them and seeing if something happens with some of them. And it's, it's being in that flow that's really ultimately what we want. That's where we want to get people to. Mm. And I would say, just going back to the beginning of the conversation where you were talking about your friend Marcus mm. and losing yourself in the flow mm. and this tension of, it does take practice. Yeah. Steph Curry is amazing at three-pointers for a reason. Yeah. Right? And right. what looks like flow and what is flow, you could argue, is the product of deliberate, conscious, mindful practice. Yes. And to us, it's yeah. like there's this, you know, people, I was reading this Maya Angelou quote earlier today, and she was saying that, you know, she, she, she was being interviewed by, you know, the Paris Review. And she was saying something about how she knows that the New York Times book review is going to say, well, you know, of course, the prose is elegant, but that's because it's Maya Angelou. And she's like, I work hard on that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. It didn't, it didn't start that way. You know, it doesn't yeah. come out of my mouth that way. And yeah. there's this, there's this sense, this wrong notion that people who aren't in creative fields have, it's like, either it's just like, great, it comes out great, or it comes out, you know, rubbish. And yeah. I'm kind of a rubbish person, but luckily there's some people it's great. And it's like, no, mm -hmm. creative people put yeah. a lot of shots on goal. 
<laughs> like yeah. Yeah. they do a lot of stuff. Yeah, and the yeah. question is, yeah. if you see, and, and for me, like the thing that's actually an, was an unlock as we've been working through some of these ideas is we're all in the ideas business. You need a subject line for your email. That's an ideas problem. Yeah. You need an opening line for your sales call. That's yeah. an ideas problem. Yeah. You need a dinner to go to with, you know, on a date with your partner. That's an ideas mm -hmm. problem, right? We're all in the mm -hmm. ideas business, but none of us think about practice in the same way. Yeah. We think if I'm a basketball player, I got to practice free throws. You know, if yeah. I'm a poet, I got to practice rhymes, but like, why would I practice ideas? But it's your, your brain is just like any other muscle, you know, you yeah. have to practice if you want to get. And so I, you know, we, Perry and I were talking just the other day to a guy who is a world-class entrepreneur, inventor, um, experimenter. He is, he is a quintessential example of everything that we teach. Mm. And we were asking him about his process and he, he kept apologizing. He said, well, I used to do all this stuff, but now it's just second nature. And on the one hand, that's annoying because it's mm -hmm. like, that's not useful. But on the yeah. other hand, it's like, that's kind of the point. Like that's the progression. Yeah. yeah. It's, it yeah. is like, he's like, yeah, I used to do all of this stuff, but now mm -hmm. it's just kind of, I do that. I don't even think about it actually. Yeah. And to me, it's the deliberate practice is what sets you up for the instincts and the muscle mm -hmm. memory to take over in the in game time moments. Yeah. You play like you practice. That makes yeah. sense. I've always said um, life is practice. Like you're never not practicing. And as I think we'd all agree is whatever you practice, you're going to get good at, right? So you have to be careful what you practice, right? If you're an asshole, it's because you practiced for a while and you're a really good <laughs> asshole, right? You know, but but there's there's a lot of things. And so like what I like is that the mindfulness and what you practice is what makes you I'm going to use the word successful, but what makes you successful at what you're going to be, right? Like I not that everybody can be Kobe Bryant, right? But if you pra if if I'm not a basketball player, if I go out and practice free throws, next week I'm going to be marginally better at it, right? right. Especially if I mindfully practice it. So everything we're doing, even this conversation, even Kwaku and I's yeah. relationship, like this has been a practice. How do we talk to people and how do we get all these great people People on and how do we we have these conversations and I'm always learning more and more and more from it and I realize I've been practicing this I've been practicing you know recording a podcast and figuring out the best method of recording a podcast and Kwaku knows there's times where I've essentially forgot to press the record button and oh, like holy shit like we do that all you the really time. messed that up right yeah. but like yeah. if we realize <laughs> that everything we're doing is practice and then we're mindfully practicing the things that we want to be better at and then not practicing the things that we don't want to yeah. be good at i think yeah. that's a great place and what i like to i love what you guys brought up the word care um because i think it's like you caring about what it is whatever if it's free throwing if it's writing poems but like i think there's also the component of somebody else caring right because mm. the ideas are great but if they're only in your head and i don't talk to Perry about it, right? But if I'm like, yo, Perry, check this out, right? And then I get to mm -hmm. bounce that idea off of you and then yeah. it inspires something else in you. And Perry goes, oh, well, you know, I don't know what that is, but like, whoa, how about this? And blah, 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 blah. Let me call Kwaku, boom, boom, boom. And suddenly we have, we've started at this point and then we've gone to a completely different other point. Mm -hmm. And it's all that sort of collaboration. I think there's a collaborative piece, but like the caring of it is also great because, you know, Einstein could have just sat in that patent office, written all those papers, and if nobody mm. read them, 
you know, we we wouldn't be zooming yeah. right now. We yeah. wouldn't have cell yeah. phones. We wouldn't have satellites. You know what I mean? So anyway, that's that's brilliant. I think the, what you, actually, the other thing you said I think is interesting is that you know, this is we're we're writing a, a book right now about oh, this sweet. this topic idea flow, right? So mm-hmm. so it's all coming together. But the thing yeah. I think I don't know if there's something we've covered in the as we sort of put it together. But this idea of um, asking a different question, which is for Kwaku, maybe it's the question for him is like, what's stopping you from from having a creative practice. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 that whole thing of Kahneman and, and restraining forces. Right. Like another way to look at all this stuff is saying, what would it take to make this behavior normal for me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so one obvious one, Kwaku, I'll just give you it's a total layup is faculty meetings, right? We live in the same place. That that's where creativity goes to die, right? <laughs> yep. so you take those off your schedule, we're halfway home. Yep. But then, but then more, more like not trying to be funny. It's like actually like. Do you have a journal? Mm. You know, do you, what would it take to have a journal and carry it around in your pocket? And like, what's stopping you from that? Do you, is it because you feel awkward about looking down in the can? Like, I don't know where it is, but it's it's analyzing and saying, what are the restraining forces that stop me from a couple creative behaviors? I want to have an active reflection process. I want to, you know, ideate multiple times a day. I want to be doing these things. And we, that's a lot of times what we look at in these um the leadership programs in particular because startups sort of are different one side of our life we work with founders they they kind of do fine with this stuff because it's just a small team and it sort of works Mm -hmm. until they get bigger but in bigger organizations we ask a different question which is like okay you want to do these things you want to be more creative you you now understand the practices ask that question the hard question which is like what needs to get taken away? Yeah, it's a reduction exercise. Yeah. Well, we we did a what needs to, what needs to get we did. I mean, as an example of this very thing, I mean, Kahneman's whole thing is instead of asking how can we get someone to do this, ask why aren't they doing it already, right? And if you remove yeah. that, you know, it's the behavior falls. But mm-hmm. I mean, as a practical example, we're working with a large you know tech company right now. It's worldwide. They're trying to bring some of the tools into their day to day and meeting culture keeps getting in the way. They talk about how everybody doesn't have time. One woman mentioned she's in Ireland. She said, Monday's a holiday. It's Thursday afternoon. I'm, and Monday's a holiday. I'm on meeting 29 since Tuesday morning right now. Right. right. He's like, right. so you're telling me to do this stuff, but I'm like, I'm in meeting number 29 in three days. And these are hour long meetings. It's like, yep. when do I do it? And so what we did, and Perry and I kind of pivoted just based on that, and you know, we 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 were giving this assignment around experimentation and executing an experiment in the, that would be needful and useful to your team in the context of your work, which is another interesting topic for you know podcast round two. But well, yeah, because clearly we're just going to blow through the time here. It's like so. You guys got <laughs> this one's done. <laughs> but but uh, but what we did, it was it was pretty cool. I think we'll see how it goes. I mean, jury still, you can ask us in the second conversation, but. We, we t- at the end of the exercise, we said, okay, there's 15 minutes left. Next thing we want you to do is look at your calendar and say, you just said that you want to run these three experiments. It could be as simple as send an email, you know, uh, make a phone call and, you know, whatever, uh, like post something onto the company mm-hmm. intranet. For each one of those things, put 15 minutes on your calendar in the next week. Do it right now. You can't sign off from the call until you do it. So everybody's going in and then they write up when they're going to do the thing. And we go, okay, now you said that's an experiment. You know, what's critical to doing an experiment is collecting data. Yeah. Yeah. So now we want you to put time on your calendar for collecting the data. Did the person open the email? 
Did anybody mm. click on the internal, you know, uh, website, you know, inter internet, right? Mm -hmm. Did the person answer the phone call and what happened, right? Because you had an hypothesis that this experiment was going to result in some outcome. Right. But unless you close, I mean, and what we see all the time is people will commission experiments. They never close the loop on them. It's just like, yeah. oh, yeah, I tried. Oh, yeah, I forgot I was trying that. How did right. that yeah. go? You know, yeah. and so we say, unless you're booking the time not only to do the thing, mm -hmm. but also to follow up on the thing you said you did and yeah. remind your, it's almost like we called it today, write a love note to your future self. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where yeah. you, where your future self is going to love you for reminding future you what mm -hmm. the heck you were thinking when you sent that email. Yeah. Because you said at the time it was an experiment, but future you doesn't know what you were trying to learn. Right. So literally, we said in the event description, mm -hmm. check this. This is the data I'm looking for, true or false, right? But the point is, the time piece, if we don't bake it in, I mean, it gets back to what Kwaku was talking about earlier. It's like, I have no time for disconnection. And another thing we have no time for is for following up on the stuff we're trying. Yeah. And so in my mind, like to me, there's actually a really useful kind of um, muscle instinct that needs to get developed which is anytime we say we're going to try blank it's like great let's do it when are, when are we going to follow up on that yeah let's right. just put it on the calendar we don't have to we don't have to follow up on it now we haven't even done the thing but if we don't have a time where we're agreed we're going to follow up on it let's not try it like what's yeah. the point yeah yeah that ooh, there's so there's so much there even okay a couple of things one there's probably going to be a conversation too I'm gonna, I'm gonna speak to this you're just you're just you're just uh prophesying you know it, it, it might That's even future you talking man it's future me talking i'm gonna That's i'm actually happening. i'm actually gonna send myself an email about when do we <laughs> schedule these guys to come back yep. holy shit i will cc you on that auto uh, oh yeah so, I'm, so I'm there yeah i'm sharing my the love note to my future self with your future self yes sir. um and you helped me selfishly figure out a couple of things one guilt learning how to say no and learning mm. not to be greedy because mm. you can have a ton of ideas. And if you're chasing all those ideas, you don't mm -hmm. have the time to follow up on all the ideas. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. mm -hmm. And then that discipline disappears, mm -hmm. you know, and you know, I, I've personally, I've done a shotgun approach to a ton of creative, creative ventures. And then the ones I've, Oh, well, this rises to the top. So this is the one I'm doing, you know, right. but with that being said, even with Otto and I, like Otto is an incredibly busy person. Within the past year or two, I've become incredibly busy, but somehow we always make time for this. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. we sometimes will go mm -hmm. a month or two without recording. And like right now we're like, we have a nice like healthy backlog of, of amazing people that we've talked to. Mm -hmm. And even Otto uh, near the end of the pandemic has been like, all right, every other Wednesday, we need to put out an episode. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Every other Wednesday, we need to do that. Yeah, And so yeah. that is the discipline piece that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And then I know for me, it's sort of like, there has to be points where I have to say no. And I'm sure everyone on this call has experienced this where someone comes to you with like, this is a really great idea. Can you do this with me? Can we do this? And you're like, yeah. that is a really great idea. But mm -hmm. thinking yeah. of your future self and saying, oh, you know what? It is a few, but I'm denying my future self the opportunity mm. that I was just working on because mm. he won't get to see this because then I'm going to be wrapped up in this other thing. Right. Mm. You know, I was going to bring up, hey, I know you guys are working on a book and, yeah. <laughs> and, and, but you guys already covered it. And I was going to like, even out to the point that you made about, um, of, of being in this moment, or maybe Perry, you said this, cause this is one of those conversations where you can't keep track of who says what anymore. Um, it's us. It's us. It's We're flowing, us. baby. We're flowing. It is flow. Yeah. But the idea of being in, being in the process and that, and I'm 
completely editorializing that helping you figure out what you're doing like the bricolage thing that Otto and I will always talk about are you, are you guys familiar with that process of bricolage that artistic process where you are working on something really specific that you think is really specific and as you step back you see that there's a larger narrative that's been created mm -hmm. that has you know that has come together based upon these things that you're doing mm -hmm. so you know yeah. you can see within patterns if you're sewing a quilt something like that right um there you guys were talking about hey there's this book that were or at least perry's in like when he was like i was like perry come do the podcast be great if you do the podcast he's like yeah jeremy and i are working on a book i'm like oh are you done when is it being released and you're like no oh, dude so the story is the podcast is great because you know what you sell a book based on one chapter yes and they've got to be like eight right yeah you gave us potential ideas for like two or three chapters That's awesome like you know what the hell's going on here awesome. it's like this is great like your questions really you know like you're it actually is like that. real time oh, we're writing we're writing it yeah it's like, but i love i love you're saying it's you guys better get the hell writing it yeah, <laughs> yeah and, you know put us in the credits but yeah, the yeah. Idea, i love that you're just like we're trying to figure this out so let's yeah. just let's talk about let's just talk about these things i love that yeah and unfinished things that's the other thing maybe we didn't cover is like i think there's auto you said this thing i think is is a piece of what what i took from it was the the an answer thing is the supposition is it's got to be polished. Mm. And I think another big lesson, I think I don't do it enough is like, we're, we're not like, we're literally like, I don't know, we kind of maybe have ideas for like, two or three chapters. Yeah, you know, it's like, I don't know. I, I don't know where the story ends. Yeah. You know, it can't I mean, it's not going to be like J.R. token. And we got like multiple books, <laughs> right? Like keep reading forever. And we get the movie deal. And yep. or, or whoever that guy was. George that did, uh, Martin. Martin. Yeah, I want the movie deal. What are you the talking series about? Is coming out. We haven't even finished them. Yep. You know, it's like, <laughs> like, I hope so. But you know, I don't think so. Yeah. I think we got to like, actually come up with some material. Yeah. <laughs> but showing unfinished things like that's a, that's a big thing. Yeah. And that was made part of the improv exercise. I never thought of is like, are you going to be unpolished? Yeah. Right. You know, right. It's like, you, you better be because that's that it's your point. So that's, that's how life works. Yeah. It's like, you think it's not something else, but it's not. Yeah. It's um, I think that the, the, the over emphasis on perfection is the problem. Right. Um, and I've, I've sort of tried to sort of push myself there. You know, Kwaku corrected me at the, at the beginning when he was like, you're a musician and I'm used to being like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a junior musician because I don't play as well as da 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 da. We're always comparing ourselves to each other but yes i'm a musician i can sit there play guitar i can sing a song while i'm doing it and i can make music and i've made up stuff right one of us um, has performed at south by southwest on this call sure sure and it I, wasn't I, me i did that too right <laughs> um the, but there's also the um the notion of being able to put stuff out there like i've i've started mm -hmm. shooting videos and m making music videos and all those things and i resisted the urge to say well i'm not an established you know music video guy me and my just friends have an idea let's go do it and if it if we screw it up fine who gives a shit like but also putting it out there mm -hmm. is what also i feel helps gives me the feedback to go oh i know what i could do better in the next thing and then exactly yes but yes. you don't know yeah. if you didn't put it out there, yeah. if you didn't write it, if you didn't shoot it, if you didn't paint it, you don't know. And all the people that we've seen, like if like we're all, it seems like we're all music heads here and we can all see the 
the, you know, the person's first album. And then when they start to develop and they get new ideas, it's like without that first album that sometimes it's awesome, sometimes it's like, meh. But then you see where these people go. Right. It's like, oh, my God. It's like this. It's this creative thing. And then that first album becomes this genius thing where you've gone, look at this mm-hmm. idea that they came up with and they were developing it right there in front of us. Yeah. And we, as the people who are receiving it, get to go, oh, what can I do? Ooh, this is cool. Let me take that idea and do this yes. with it. It mm-hmm. might not be music. Mm-hmm. It might be a book. It might be yep. whatever. But like just being, having the freedom to say, I can fall on my face and I'll be fine. I'll get up as long as I'm not dead and I'll figure out what I did uh, and I'll improve on it. I think that's an amazing thing too. You know, I so think actually, one of the things that's Jeremy? really powerful is a schedule. Mm, yeah. Yep. I mean, you just mentioned we're going to, we're, we're putting out a podcast every two weeks. Like holding yourself to some kind of a production schedule is a fantastic yeah. uh, 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 mechanism to keep you from overthinking and overpolishing and yeah. holding back. I mean, I read about, it. I think I got this Seth Godin book and I, I never got past there. It's like one third of the way through. He says, you should write a blog every day. Everybody should. And I was yeah. like, I've always thought about that, but I've never done it. And I was just like, yeah. I literally got up. I, I remember I was sitting at my kitchen table eating a salad and I'm reading this book because I just texted Perry. Oh, I got the Seth Godin book. I'm like just leafing through it while I'm leafing through my leafy greens. And I was like, <laughs> I'm going to do that. And I just stood up, yeah. went to godaddy.com. I literally Googled, how do I start a blog? Go, this is Fantastic. this is recently. This isn't like 20 years ago. This is very recent. Yeah. But yeah. literally like hit GoDaddy signed up and then i was like and then i was like what am i going to call it and then my first thought was and what seth godin said was unless you do it every day don't bother yeah yeah something like that and and to me i was like really intimidated by that but i thought you know what the biggest thing that's going to keep me from doing something is the thought that it's got to be perfect and every day is just often enough that it can't be perfect and mm-hmm. so what's been amazing for me, and so I've done that now since the beginning of November. So like, you know, six-ish months, I've done it every day, every weekday, not weekends, but it's awesome because I, it's like, I just, and I have, I, I've only made a commitment to myself. It's not like yeah. I'm on the hook. It's not like I'm, I've made a commitment to anybody else. I'm not being yeah. paid for it. It's nothing. But yeah. what's amazing is I look back and I, I recently changed from GoDaddy because it gave me challenges for other reasons to Squarespace. And I've had to update all these links because none of the links work. And yeah. I'm reading through it. I'm like, wow, I forgot. Like, this is some cool stuff. Yes. And it's interesting. And I'm like, oh, neat, you know. Yeah. But I wouldn't have any of that if I didn't have that simple daily discipline of I'm going to just what you're saying. I'm going to yeah. share every day. Not mm-hmm. I'm going to share perfectly. Not I'm going to blow mm-hmm. people's minds. But every day I'm mm-hmm. just putting it on myself. Like, surely I'm living a life where I'm in- interested. That was me. That's my keyword, interested. Mm-hmm. Is there something that I've learned today that I find interesting? I'm not saying I think Otto is going to find this interesting. I'm going to say, this is what I saw today that was interesting yeah. to me. And if yeah. I can't, like, to me, that's a pretty sad life if there's not something in every day that's interesting to me. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. And then, wow, that's it. But the, but the schedule is so important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought you'd been writing this post, those posts for years. Cause even when I messaged you, I'm like, man, I really look forward to it. I didn't realize you're writing them every day. I'm like, I can't even keep up with these. This is such <laughs> a good idea. I'm still processing, you yeah. know, I'm still processing the random inputs and there's another one today. What? <laughs> I literally started following you on Twitter 
because I was like, oh, this way I'll get the updates because I don't always yeah. see it on LinkedIn. I didn't even know there was a blog post. But wow. the interesting part of what you're talking about is that you're, and we all do this, we're all in our heads and we're like, this isn't good enough. And, and mm -hmm. you know, and I know people, and, and now I've been labeled as the person who does this and helps other people do it. So mm -hmm. I can't come out with some stuff that's, that's right. bullshit because right. my stuff needs to be great because people pay good money right. to help mm -hmm. them do this. Mm -hmm. And I looked at this, I was like, I didn't even know he was doing this. This is great. I, mm. I share them at work. Mm. I share them at work. Mm. That's cool. Well, um, I mean, it's, you know, one, one of, one of the founders that, that graduated from our program a few years ago, I was talking to her the other day and we were talking about this notion of imposter syndrome. Yeah. And I just asked her, how do you overcome it? Cause she's like, what business do I have starting this thing? And she said, and she said something I really like. She said, well, if I notice I'm feeling imposter syndrome, I do it 10 times and then I'm no longer an imposter. I'm somebody who's done mm. something 10 times. <laughs> well and done. Isn't that great? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. All right. So what, what I'm going to say, because if I don't cut us off now, this will be seven episodes. Um, <laughs> We are not. We are not known for having super short oh. episodes. We we yeah, exactly. Just, just, yeah, just yeah, like this watch. I'm like, all right. Fun. I need to. I need to cut us off. That was flow. That's literally. That what was flow literal is. flow. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, but I'm not even going to say cut us off. I'm going to say I need to pause us for now. Yeah. For okay. conversation number two. Yeah. Because we don't. Okay. You know, because do you get pause because you invited us? Does that switch off on your things? Say that again. If if Otto invited, I'm always curious, like with your thing, if Otto had invited us, does he cause, does he hit pause? Oh, or like, how's it work okay. with you two? Behind the scenes, because there's a ton of transparency. This is later. A ton yeah. of transparency. <laughs> what will happen is usually if it if it's going long, not even if it's bad. In fact, it's never actually been bad, speaking to Jeremy's point mm. of like feeling yeah. imposter syndrome. But if it's, if it, we feel like it's going long, then the person if if I if Otto brings on the person, I might message him like, hey, maybe we should wrap up soon. Mm -hmm. And then vice versa. Uh, mm -hmm. But Otto is so into it today that he yeah. didn't even get I a chance to do that. Mindful. Yeah, yeah. I just and, looked up and it was like, oh, oh, I'm looking at the time. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. also in transparency, like speaking of, you know, pulling this full circle is like if we say extemporaneous so we can talk all we want, then it's not as concentrated as interesting yeah. because we're all just like, but when we say it's an hour and a half, right? Then it's like there's a focused thing happening. And I think that's what uh, we started to learn in Radio's Merlin, right? Yeah. yeah, it's like, oh yeah, this is like, let's, it's not like, let's get to the point. Come on, Jeremy, let's go. But it's like, if we, without you knowing, if we know that, oh, I, this is interesting how and it's it's teaching me how to like a ask the questions even yes. more precisely yeah. uh and and it makes it much more interesting to 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 listen because for me it's like we want to I, I want the audience to be the person who's in the next booth going oh these guys are talking about some cool stuff do you know what I mean and yeah, it's like those exactly. engaging conversations are really fun so anyway sorry and our first yeah. episode was four hours. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we were just like, all right, yeah. we need to, we didn't, we didn't release yeah. a four hour episode. Yeah, we yeah. had to cut it up, but then yeah. we we're like, all right, maybe we yeah. need to pull, pull yeah. back on the reins. Pull the plug, <laughs> pull the plug. That's, hey, uh, I don't, I don't want to be the one to say this, but that's why you don't have time. Yeah. Why? Because, because I'm pulling back on the reins. <laughs> or because I'm doing a four hour podcast. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe that has something to do with having no time. There you go. That was years ago. That yeah. was years ago. We we yeah. they're normally closer to two now. So we've yeah, halved yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. in another in another like 10 years, we'll have 15 yeah. minute episodes. That's awesome. uh, 
<laughs> so with that, being, with that being said, and I get to use my favorite phrase again, you in the denim kimono, who are you? I'm Otto, and who are you? I'm Kwaku, and this is Radio Zamunda, the dope shit. And who are we just absolutely mind-expandingly sitting here flowing with right now, Kwaku? Who are these two guys? Perry and Jeremy. Yes. The D school. Ooh. Shout out to the D school. Holy you know, shit, you guys. I just. <laughs> I want to go to the D school. <laughs> Apparently, I can just walk on to campus and just go. That's no problem right now. my seat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. When what's to be Okay. Yeah, man. Jeez. Those, um, you know, there's a, a you know, the, the Lorik McBain's and man, why do I keep the Dan Ryder's? Um, Lisa Solomon was, also works Lisa with them. Lisa Solomon. That's exactly who I was about to say. That's amazing that you read my mind. And then, mm-hmm. of course, uh, Luca Perry, who we always are, have been referencing. It feels yep. like this is like the you're introducing me slowly but surely to like the inner circle of these people like i'm like it feels like the mafia and i'm 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 like a low level operative right now and like you know you're like donny brasco you know no i'm you're the al pacino character you're donny like brasco. brasco there you go i'm getting introduced higher and higher into this like you know mafia of like incredibly innovative education and you know, it's we can say it's education, but it's like it, it feels like it applies to society, right? Yeah. I mean, it's siloed into education, and it's you know kids or it's you know grad school people. But I think it's I think this should be applied to life, you know. And yeah. This is how we should structure our society in a in a way. Um, the the motivation of creative creativity and you know saying like everybody's creative you're always being creative right like i love when you said you know if you're trying to figure out what to say in the subject line of an email that is your mm. you're coming up with an idea right and yeah. so um, that might be a, a granular way to look at it but like it's all ideas and so why should i say if i'm an accountant well i'm not a very creative person because as an actor i always I always meet people um, if they know who I am or if they ask me who I am. And if I say I'm an actor, suddenly they're really interested in my life. Right. (laughs) And and I and it's such a reaction to me because I'm just like I I hate feeling like I'm being interviewed because I'm interviewed a lot. Right. Mm. And so like I meet somebody and suddenly they're interviewing me. What's it like to be on set and da 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 da. And then I get why you're interested. But as soon as I turn it around and I say, hey, what do you do? Literally, people will say, well, I'm a social worker. You know, my, my life is boring. My life's not as interesting as yours. And I'm like, I'm an actor. I play social workers. So you're telling me that the thing that I'm going out to research, whether it's a doctor or it's a social worker or it's a whatever, is not interesting. What am I doing? <laughs> like, right. I'm playing you. And so um, I think that that's that notion in society that there's a silo for creativity and there's a silo for work and there's a, there's all these different silos, but it's all the same freaking thing. Yeah. And I think that's what um, uh, these two guys were doing, were opening everybody's mind to that point and making it a practice 
um, you know, making it a practice is something that um, I am very interested in because to get good at something, you got to practice. So, you know, we're always looking for this inspiration. It's this magic thing. No, it's a practice. So yeah, hats off to you. Those those two, uh, shit, they're dope. I'm, I'm tired. (laughs) No, because there's so, because you know what it is? You're probably making so many connections to things. Um, And the discipline, I mean, it's funny. It it really helped me contextualize what we even do now. This has been a practice for us for Mm -hmm. at this point, I think it's five, six, I don't don't even count anymore, but this has been a practice for us where there are so many things. And I forget someone, someone said it to me. I think, I think I was talking about him in the beginning, Johnny Mm -hmm. Utah, where he's just like, you have Mm -hmm. to make these connections really Mm -hmm. quickly. And you Mm -hmm. don't know what it is you're going to be talking about. Like, so that was you, like you get like, you get like a two second prompt and then you're in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah. um, and then vice versa. Whenever you you know you bring somebody on, like, oh boy, mm-hmm. what was our what's our what's our boy's name, Danny Dunson? You know what I mean? Danny it's like, Dunson. I mean, there's yeah. there's there's so much to work with there. But yeah. yeah, the idea of we we have unknowingly or deliberately and unknowingly um, aligned ourselves with the practice of being able to make connections based mm-hmm. upon other people's experiences, yeah. and some of that I think naturally. I've done as an educator and I've done as a musician, some of it you've done naturally, like you're saying, you're researching work, you're researching people's lives or mm-hmm. professions tied mm-hmm. to a role. So you, you have that also, sure. but, but doing it in real time like this mm-hmm. has become its own little practice. Yeah. And our discipline is just doing it consistently. Yeah. And it's a practice of listening. That's I mean, that's yes. the basis of acting, but I think that's the basis of all all pursuits, right? It's like listening and being in the moment, right? Like, like, you know, we can't be, I can't be sitting here with two people I haven't met before and be checked out, right? And not actually listening to them and not, uh, I love how they brought care into it. Like, yes. I care, right? Like, yeah. so what they're saying, I care about what they're saying. So it makes it, it focuses me. It's engaging to me. Wow. That's what you do. And how did you come up with that? Right. Oh my God, that's brilliant. I never thought of it that way. And then it gives me a connection. It gives you a connection. I go, oh yeah, I remember when Kwaku said this, that, that, yep. that, that to me. And it's like, it, all it is, you know, I, I, maybe we've been practicing it for so long and because of our different pursuits that we are already good listeners, but yep. it takes practice to sit there and listen to somebody, you yes. know, and that's great. And I love, I love that you brought up the woman out running the poem. Yeah. I wish you said I could that, remember. When yeah. you said it, I was like, oh, I remember mm-hmm. you, because you said the story before. I was like, yeah. Yeah. she's racing against it. She's not even yeah. out running. She's racing against it. Yeah. Because yeah. she needs to get to the place where she yeah. can record it. Yeah. Yeah. Such a great image. I yeah. love that. I'm yeah. picturing this woman in the field and the words yeah. are chasing her and yeah, yeah, looking yeah. back behind yeah. her. And oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here it comes. Yeah. You know, I, I got to be sweet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's oh, great. man. Yeah. Um, so, with that being said, actually, yeah. before, before, before we close, um, uh, unrelated. What's going on with that? Because remember I said we we're going to do these check-ins? Oh, yeah, you're right. Yes. Un- unrelated, um, for those of you who are uninitiated, is the podcast I've been doing with my really good buddy and childhood friend, uh, Chris Seacott. Uh, he's a white guy. I'm a black guy. We were born in the same uh, um, city called Schenectady, New York, uh, which was a very, at least back then, uh, a very homogenous white um, sort of narrow area in upstate New York. And we came up with this podcast where we we're just like, let's talk 
about that difference and let it fan out into all the things that we're interested in. So um, we're actually going to be, um, we're on our like sixth or seventh episode right now and we're going to start to do more. Um, and it's been a really great ex- exploration because again, it's like we prepare a little bit more than we do here, but it's more of a flow. We've known each other for 30, 40 years at this point. And so we're just flowing with conversation and seeing where we differ in the same experiences, right? Because mm. we, we live in different bodies. We have different experiences. We have different things to overcome. And we both love Ed Harris. So, um, I, that's the weirdest thing. Although I love him also, yeah, I, it's yeah. just, I mean, it's just a really weird fetish. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, Ed <laughs> yeah. Fucking Harris is the man. Yes. He's yes. the truth. Yeah. Um, do you have a sense of when the next episode's coming out? Although this won't even be synced with it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm soon. I mean, where, where, where are we in? Uh, well, should we say, are we allowed to say the dates on our podcast? We, we can say yeah. whatever. <laughs> well, this is early May. So probably by mid May, cause we've got one scheduled to record, um, in a couple of days. So probably by mid May. So, um, before this podcast comes out, you, there will be an another, so yep. maybe, maybe one or two will be out by the time this episode of Radio Zamunda comes out. Cool. Well, yeah, if um, wherever you're listening to this, you should look for Unrelated as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, we've talked about it, but not really formally, but yeah. you know, it's like we have all these creative things. We know all these amazing people. I know at the top of the mm-hmm. podcast, we're talking about all these people doing all this, all this great yep. stuff. Yep. We've just yep. been lucky enough to talk with and yep. Um, ideally, uh, Perry and Jeremy will be amongst that list because there's definitely a book coming out, mm-hmm. um, and it will rock your world in the same way that this conversation has rocked us. Yeah. Um, so with that being said, who are you? I'm Otto, and who are you? I'm Kwaku, and this is Radio Zamunda, the dope shit. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Peace. Peace.